This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Wal aqibatu lil muttaqeen. Wal aqibatu illa ala al-zalimeen. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illa allahu wahdahu la sharika lahu wa liyu salihin. وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله النبي المصطفى الأمين صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد. So today is the 21st day of Ramadan of the year 1441 of the Hijrah of our Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم and so therefore this is the 21st session and sitting of the reading and commentary of Tafsir al-Jalalain by the two Imams Jalaluddin al-Mahalli and Jalaluddin al-Suyuti alihima rahmatullahi ta'ala and uh, I was asked a question a couple of days ago or maybe even yesterday uh, concerning the uh, virtue of continuing to do tafsir in the last 10 nights of Ramadan especially because the last 10 nights of Ramadan have their special position and virtue in our religion as we all know and there is no doubt that from the practice of our Prophet ﷺ in the month of Ramadan was that he would have an extra, uh, he would give extra attention to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Qur'an. In the hadith of Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum in al-Bukhari, he says that Jibreel used to come in Ramadan and he would revise and study with him the Qur'an. And the word mudarasa is more general than just reading or memorizing the Qur'an. And the word to study or to revise generally the Qur'an, meaning to study it, is something which then includes tafsir. And it is the position of a number of the scholars of the past, from the companions and others, that they would recommend that when we read the Qur'an, or as we read the Qur'an, we try our utmost to understand and to contemplate and to reflect over the words of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But clearly though, that's something which is done in the month of Ramadan, but not at the expense in the last ten nights, during the nights themselves, it's not done at the expense of the prayer, the salah, the taraweeh, or the qiyamul layl, or the hajjud, or the dua that a person should be making in these last 10 nights of Ramadan. And so the Muslim is the one who has to balance between those aspects. So to spend time making tafsir or studying tafsir of the Quran is inshallah ta'ala from one of the best acts of worship that we can perform in this month of Ramadan in terms of coming closer to the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But at the same time, there is clearly a need, especially in the nights of these last ten, to seek Alayratul Qadr through Salah and through Dua. And that was the position of many of the scholars of the past. And as we've mentioned throughout this whole month now, numerous stories of how the scholars of the past went through extraordinary lengths to study the Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, be that travel, be that seeking knowledge, be that finding different ways of, of getting to scholars that they thought would give them some of that knowledge. And one of those scholars of Qur'an uh, that it reminds me of is the famous Qari Hisham ibn Ammar uh, rahimahullahu ta'ala as-Sulami. And Hisham is the uh, one of the two narrators of Ibn Amir from the Ten Qurra. One of the Ten Qurra is Ibn Amir al-Dimashqi, the Qari of Dimashq of Damascus, Ibn Amir rahimahullahu ta'ala. And Ibn Amir's qira'ah is from two students. One is Ibn Dhaqwan and the other one is Hisham. Hisham, rahimahullah ta'ala, is not only a scholar therefore of Qira'at and Qur'an, 
but he's also a famous narrator of hadith and a scholar of hadith and he is from the students of Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala and from the people that Imam al-Bukhari mentioned as a narrator in his sahih as well as others from amongst the early scholars of hadith it is said that Hisham rahimahullah ta'ala when he was young in age in order for him to go to make hajj and to study his father sold his house he sold his house and he sold it for something like 20 or 30 dinar and the dinar are the gold coins that he used to have 20 or 30 dinars he sold his house he said Hisham came from Damascus he sold his house so that he could go and study and make hajj and so Imam Hisham he comes to hajj he makes hajj and he goes to Medina and in Medina is Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala so he goes to the majlis and the sitting and the gathering of Imam Malik rahimahullah which is packed full of students as we mentioned before Imam Malik had many many students and as he's standing there and he's waiting and people asking Imam Malik questions and they're discussing and they're studying and so on he thinks that this is my opportunity so he and he's young in age not very old and so he begins to ask Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala questions and Imam Malik doesn't like that he's speaking out of turn, doesn't like that he's asking questions in those ways, and he's a new student, doesn't understand perhaps the etiquette of the sitting of Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala. So Imam Malik orders him for him to be removed from his circle. So one of the senior students of Imam Malik takes him, and he's a young boy, meaning Hisham, so he takes him out of the masjid of the Prophet wasallam. and as he does so, he hits him, it is said, either 15 or 17 times to teach him a lesson and then he comes back Hisham stood there having been hit or beaten 15-17 times and he begins to cry Imam Malik rahimahullah finishes what he's doing and as he's leaving the masjid he sees the same boy crying so he says to him why are you crying and he says because your student beat me as he took me out of the masjid and I think that he only did it because you told him to take me out of the masjid and by Allah, I will not allow you to be free in the sight of Allah, meaning that I won't forgive you or pardon you in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala, despite his age and his knowledge and his position and his piety, he wasn't happy that someone should say to him that I'm not going to free you, absolve you of this responsibility in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So he said to him, what can I give you? What can I do for you that will allow you to forgive me and pardon me? So Hisham said to him, for every time that your student struck me, you narrate to me a hadith instead. He struck me 17 times, you narrate to me 17 hadith from the Prophet ﷺ that you had. And as I think we may have mentioned before in another story, Imam Malik, ta'ala, people used to read the Mawatta to him. And he, in that older age, wasn't the one who used to narrate the hadith, it would be read to him. ta'ala. But Imam Malik narrates to him the 17 hadith of or that he had from the Prophet a group of 17 hadith and so that is how Hisham becomes a student of Imam Malik rahimahullah ta'ala and it just shows to you the lengths by which some of those early scholars had to go and the patience that they had to go to and he said to Imam Malik my father sold his house so that I could come and study with you and this is how you treated me rahimahullah ta'ala yesterday I asked the question concerning the verse in uh, Surah Sajda which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Say to them that the angel of death will bring to you your death 
Might say that also in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala seems to ascribe the process of death not to a single angel but to a group of them. As Allah says, Those that the angels bring them death. And also in the Quran, in Surah Al-Zumar, Allah Azza wa Jal seems to ascribe it to himself subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allahu yatawaffa al-anfusa hina mawtiha. It is Allah who causes a person to die at the time of their death. So how do we understand and reconcile those those verses of the Quran? The uh, verse that speaks about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causing death is because Allah azza wa is the one who commands death. And no one can die except by Allah's command. Allah is the one who is al-muhi al-mumit, the one who gives life and the one who gives death. So it is by Allah's command that death comes. And that is the meaning of the verse, saying that Allah is the one who brings, who causes a person to die. The Malakul Maut, who is the angel of death, the verse in Surah Sajda, is then the one responsible for taking the soul by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah commands the angel of death to take the soul of a person, and so the angel of death takes the soul of that person. And the Malaika, the plural, the angels that are mentioned in verses in the Quran, like in Surah Al-Nahl and in Surah Al-Nisa and other places, is it is said because they are the ones who help the angel of death. They are from the helpers of the angel of death. And in order to fulfill his duty that Allah Azza wa Jal, or the duty that Allah Azza wa Jal has placed upon the angel of death. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So we are towards the beginning or just slightly before the beginning of the 22nd juz of the Quran in Surah Al-Ahzab and today we begin with verse 28 of Surah Al-Ahzab Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulil ameen Nabiina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Allahumma khfirli shaykhina wa liwalidina wa lijami'il muslimin Amma ba'd Qala al-musannifu rahimahullahu ta'ala fi tafsiri qawlihi ta'ala أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم يا أيها النبي قل لأزواجك إن كنتن تردن الحياة الدنيا وزينتها فتعالين فتعالين أمتعكن وأسرحكن سراحا جميلا أو Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم tell your nine wives meaning when they asked him for the adornment of this world which he did not have if you desire the life of this world and its finery, come and I will give you all you need in the form of a gift given to a divorced wife and release you with kindness, a divorce without causing them any harm. But if you desire Allah and His Messenger وسلم, and the abode of the next world, meaning the garden, Allah has prepared an immense reward in the next world, which is, para- which is paradise, for those among you who are good doers, and choose the next world rather than this world. In these verses, verses 28 and 29, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the wives of the Prophet and he's giving to them a choice, a choice of having the dunya in terms of more wealth and more money and so on, or a life of being patient and persevering with the hardships that come with the life of the Prophet ﷺ. And there is a cause of revelation behind these verses. And that is a, a number of the wives of the Prophet ﷺ asked the Prophet ﷺ for an increase in maintenance, in spending, in wealth. Because as we know, the Prophet ﷺ didn't have very much. And months would go past and he would survive on 
water and date and months would go past and they wouldn't light a cooking fire in the household of the Prophet so that life is a difficult life and there are a number of narrations in which the Prophet would come home and he would ask is there anything to eat and they would say no so he would say I'm fasting meaning in the morning and at other times he would have a guest that would come and he would say to Aisha one of his other wives do we have anything to feed them with and he would be told no or at other times some relative, someone from the Ansar, someone gives them a bowl of milk and that is the evening meal, that's what they sustain themselves with. It was a difficult life that he lived upon, that he lived with Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we already mentioned in the verses of Ila, the narration of Umar when he comes to the Prophet Sallallahu and the rumors spreading that the Prophet Sallallahu is divorcing his wife. And this was, uh, this was a similar incident to this. And, and, and Umar comes and he sees the Prophet and despite him being upset because his daughter Hafsa is one of those wives. And so he comes to speak to the Prophet but then when he sees him lying down on a straw mat and the straw mat has left its marking and its pattern in the skin of the Prophet and how simple his life was and how, how devoid of comfort and luxury it was, he starts to cry instead. Because that is how the Prophet lived. And so to abide by that required some difficulty. So when the, the wives or some of them asked the Prophet for an increase in maintenance, the Prophet stopped because he didn't have what they were asking for. And for, from them it is a legitimate uh, concern, it is something, a legitimate request that every wife or husband has to go through in terms of increase of wealth and maintenance and spending and, and so on. And so in one narration, Abu Bakr and Umar radiallahu anhumah entered upon the Prophet and with him is Aisha and Hafsa radiallahu anhumah, who are, as we all know, the daughters of those two companions. And, the, and they could see, Abu Bakr and Umar, that there is clearly some tension here. So they said, oh Messenger of Allah, what's wrong? He said, these are my wives, they asked me for an increase in spending that I don't have. So Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu became angry and he walked towards Aisha. And Umar radiallahu anhu became angry and he walked towards Hafsa. Both of them saying, how dare you ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi for this? The Prophet ﷺ stopped them and he said, leave them alone. Leave them alone, leave them be. And so the Prophet ﷺ is then commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in these verses to give the wives, his wives, the choice. If they want the dunya, they can have the dunya. But that means that they must divorce and leave and separate from the Prophet ﷺ. Because that is not the life that Allah ordained for his Prophet ﷺ. And if they want Allah and his messenger, then that's also their choice, but that means that they must be patient upon that. And so in the hadith in al-Bukhari, Aisha radiallahu anha says that when the Prophet sallallahu alayhi was commanded to make this choice, he came to me and he said, Oh Aisha, I'm going to give you a choice, but don't make that choice until you go and speak to your parents and consult them first. Aisha says, because the Prophet sallallahu knew that my parents would never ever give me advice and advise me to leave the Prophet sallallahu alayhi he said, Oh Aisha, Allah has given you a choice. And he recited these verses to her. Aisha said, Radiallahu anha, O Messenger of Allah, do you think that this is something that I need to consult anyone about? Do you think that I need advice about this? I choose Allah and I choose His Prophet. And that was the case with all of the other wives. And that is why Allah will tell us shortly in one of the verses that is coming that the Prophet is not to marry anyone after them, nor is He allowed to exchange them. Because of the choice that they make in terms of choosing Allah and His Prophet ﷺ. And so Allah rewarded them with that exclusivity of having that status of being the mothers of the believers. 
And from the lessons that we take from this then is that those people who take from the inheritance of the Prophet ﷺ from the people of knowledge and others is that they will most likely or for many of them also have that difficulty in terms of the dunya and materialism and wealth and money and income and that is from what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed for them and that's why it is said from the scholars of the past that when someone would come to some of those imams and say to them that I wish to seek knowledge and become a student of knowledge they would say then give your family glad tidings of poverty Give your family glad tidings of poverty. And there are clearly exceptions to that rule. There were a number of scholars who were wealthy and that Allah gave them wealth before the vast majority of them it was the case. And that's why poverty is one of those things that comes with, or not necessarily poverty, but a difficulty in, in income is something which comes with seeking knowledge. And the Prophet was from amongst those people that Allah ordained that for him. يَا نِسَاءَ النَّبِيِّ مَنْ يَأْتِ مِنْكُنَّ بِفَاحِشَةٍ مُبَيِّنَةٍ يُضَاعَتْ لَهَا الْعَذَابُ ضِعْفَيْنِ Wives of the Prophet wasallam, if any of you commits an obvious, read as Mubayyinah and Mubayyinah, act of indecency, she will receive double, read as يُضَاعِف and يُضَاعِف, the punishment that other women would receive. وَكَانَ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرًا That is an easy matter for Allah. وَمَنْ يَقْنُتْ مِنْكُنَّ لِلَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ وَتَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا نُؤْتِهَا أَجْرَهَا مَرَّتَيْنِ That those of you who are obedient to Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and act rightly, read as تَعْمَلْ and يَعْمَلْ We will give, read as نُؤْتِهَا and also يُؤْتِهَا which then means they will be given their reward twice over meaning double the reward received by other women. وَأَعْتَدْنَا لَهَا رِزْقًا كَرِيمًا And we have prepared generous provision for them in paradise on top of that. And so we can see from these verses that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given an amazing status to the wives of the Prophet Not only are they the mothers of the believers, but they have that position in our religion of utmost respect and love and honor. And so for someone then to curse any of those wives of the Prophet or to speak ill of them or in any way to attack their honor, it is from the gravest of sins. يَا نِسَاءَ النَّبِيِّ لَسْتُنَّ كَأَحَدٍ مِّنَ النِّسَاءِ إِنِ اتَّقَيْتُنَّ Wives of the Prophet وسلم, you are not like other women provided you are God-fearing. Meaning if you fear Allah, you are greater than other women. فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٌ وَقُلْنَ قَوْلًا مَعْرُوفًا Do not be too soft-spoken in your speech when speaking to men. Lest someone with sickness, meaning hypocrisy in his heart, becomes desirous. Speak correct and courteous words without submissiveness. In verse number 32, this is a, a good example of, again, the signs of al-waqf wal of stopping and starting. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya nisa' al-nabi, fastunnaka ahadin min al-nisa' O wives of the Prophet, you are unlike other women. If you look in the mushaf that we have, which is the... Uh, the one that's printed in, in, in Saudi Arabia, the Medina Mus'haf, the stop there is at the word Nisa. Ya Nisa al-Nabi, O wives of the prophets, you are not like any other women. And you pause. If you are God-fearing, then do not be soft-spoken in your speech, meaning that when you address other men, don't make your speech something which will, uh, which will entice them in any way. The translator has chosen the other method of stopping, and that is, Ya Nisa and Nabi, Rastunna Kahadim in the Nisa'i in the Taqaytun. 
And both are correct. Wives of the Prophet وسلم, you are not like other women provided you are God-fearing. What is the difference between the two and how does it change the meaning? The meaning is changed because if we stop at the word Nisa or wives of the Prophet you are not like other women and we pause, then that is a general ruling. Not specified or conditional upon anything. It is a general virtue. They are like, unlike any other women of the women of the world. But if you say, Ya Then now you make it conditional. It is because of your taqwa that you are unlike any other women. And so now you made it conditional. So those scholars who said that you stop at the word Nisa, just like you're not like any other women and you stop there, they said because it gives them a greater virtue. It's general. They have an, uh, an amazing virtue. It's not conditional upon anything. It's not dependent upon anything. And the other said, no, you stop on initaqaytun because we know that our religion says that the reason why they reach that virtue is because of their taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not simply because they were the wives of the Prophet because the Prophet told us about his daughter Fatima and others that he wouldn't be able to benefit them unless they had iman. It is because of their iman and their increase in taqwa that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them that status. And the meaning here, initaqaytun, if you are God-fearing, doesn't mean that they were not God-fearing, but rather it is an encouragement that they should increase in taqwa. That is the meaning here. doesn't mean to take away from them that aspect of taqwa. It means it is an encouragement that they should increase in their taqwa, because by doing so, their status increases. And Allah knows best. And as we said, both of those stops are correct. وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ وَلَا تَبَرَّجَنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الْأُولَى Remain read as وَقَرْنَ and وَقِرْنَ in your houses and do not display your beauty as it was previously displayed in the time of ignorance. Before Islam, women used to display their beauty to men. Showing oneself after Islam came is mentioned in another ayah. And not display their adornments except what normally shows. وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةَ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةَ وَأَطِعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَ Establish the prayer and pay zakat and obey Allah and His Messenger إِنَّمَا يُرِيدُ اللَّهُ لِيُذْهِبَ عَنْكُمُ الرِّجَسَ أَهْلَ الْبَيْتِ وَيُطَهِّرَكُمْ تَطْهِيرًا Allah desires to remove all impurity from you, people of the house meaning the wives of the Prophet and to, purif- and to purify you completely. In verse number 33, when Allah says, Allah desires to remove all impurity from you, people of the household. Who are the Ahlul Bayt? The author Ta'ala, takes the position that it is the wives of the Prophet because he's looking at the context of the verses that come before and that they are speaking about the wives of the Prophet other scholars such as Qurtubi and Ibn Kathir and others said it is more generic, more general. And it includes all of the family of the Prophet which would then include his daughters and his grandchildren, the household that are the close relatives of the Prophet that we know as Alul Bayt. That this is one of their virtues that Allah has given them that status also because they are believers and they are related to the Prophet and so therefore clearly those who are not believers from his close family are not included in that virtue and Allah knows best. وَذْكُرْنَ مَا يُتْلَى فِي بُيُوتِكُنَّ مِنْ آيَاتِ اللَّهِ وَالْحِكْمَةِ And remember the signs of Allah, meaning the Qur'an, and the wise words, meaning the sunnah which are recited in your rooms. إِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ لَطِيفًا خَبِيرًا Allah is all-pervading, meaning kind to his friends, all aware of the totality of his creation. 
إن المسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات والقانتين والقانتات والصادقين والصادقات والصابرين والصابرات والخاشعين والخاشعات والخاشعين والخاشعات والمتصدقين والمتصدقات والصائمين والصائمات والحافظين فروجهم والحافظات والذاكرين والذاكرين الله كثيرا والذاكرات أعد الله لهم مغفرة وأجرا عظيما Men and women who are Muslims, men and women who are believers, men and women who are obedient, men and women who are sincere regarding their faith, men and women who are steadfast in acts of obedience, men and women who are humble, men and women who give sadaqah, men and women who fast, men and women who guard their private parts from anything unlawful, men and women who remember Allah much, Allah has prepared forgiveness for them, for any acts of disobedience they have committed, and an immense reward for their obedience. In verse number 35, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does something which is in the common usage in the Qur'an, it is not the common form of expression in the Qur'an, and that is that Allah Azza wa specifies the men and the women individually in terms of these different aspects and usually in the Quran it is the masculine form that is referred to Ar-Rijal, men and men includes women and he and includes she and they in the, in the masculine form because in Arabic there is masculine and feminine masculine form and includes the feminine form and so that is the common denomination or the common way of expression in the Arabic language generally and the Quran uses what the Arabs were used to and it's not just in Arabic but also in, in, other, in other languages as well including English we often say mankind and includes obviously women and we often say he or they and, and, and it includes the male and the female and that's very common in many languages and the, and the Arabic language is similar in that regard the general principle of the Quran is that whenever men are mentioned in terms of a ruling then it includes women as well and that is the general rulings of the Quran and the Sunnah unless there is something to specify that is specific to a gender to men or to women. And that's found from, obviously, the text of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. They specify that this is something specific for men, something specific for women. For example, praying in congregation. Those scholars that say that it is an obligation upon men to pray in congregation, why don't we understand that women are included in that? Because we have another hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ said, for women to pray at home is better for them. So, you make the exception based upon the understanding of those texts of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. Otherwise, generally the ruling is, when the Prophet ﷺ said, you pray like this, it includes men and women. So, women don't have a different way of praying in the way that they stand, in the way that they make sajda, in the way that they sit in salah, as is sometimes the common misconception among certain cultures and customs. That's not the case. The Prophet ﷺ didn't specify a difference between those genders. However, and how do we know then that it is the same, the ruling is the same? This is one of those verses that shows that. Because Allah Azza wa specifies that all of them are the same in that regard. And they are mentioned a few times in the Qur'an. It is said uh, that the cause of revelation for this particular verse is what is collected in the Tirmidhi. That Umm Salama radiallahu anha, one of the wives of the Prophet said, O Messenger of Allah, why does Allah Azza wa never mention the women in the Qur'an? Why is it always the men that are being mentioned? And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse to show that they are equal. When Allah says Muslims, even though in Arabic it is the masculine form, it includes women. And when Allah says Mu'mineen, which means the believers in the masculine form, it means the female believers. And likewise the people who fast, and the people of Khushu' and the people who give sadaqah, and the people who remember Allah and so on and so forth. And Allah knows best. وَمَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِنٍ وَلَا مُؤْمِنَةٍ إِذَا قَضَى اللَّهُ وَرَسُولُهُ أَمْرًا أَنْ يَكُونَ لَهُمُ الْخِيَرَةُ مِنْ أَمْرِهِمْ 
when Allah and His Messenger وسلم, have decided something, it is read as yakuna or takuna, not for any man or woman of the believers to have a choice about it, meaning to want something different from what Allah and His Messenger have commanded. This was revealed about Abdullah ibn Jahsh and his sister Zainab. The Prophet proposed to her وسلم, on behalf of Zayd ibn Haritha. They disliked that when they learned about it because they had thought that the Prophet وسلم, himself would ask to marry her. Then they were content because of this ayah. Anyone who disobeys Allah and his messenger وسلم, is clearly misguided. The Prophet وسلم, gave her in marriage to Zayd. Then later he looked at her and felt love for her, whereas Zayd disliked her. Then he told the Prophet وسلم, I want to divorce her. He told him, keep your wife to yourself, as Allah tells us in the following ayah. وَإِذْ تَقُولُ لِلَّذِي أَنْعَمَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَأَنْعَمْتَ عَلَيْهِ Remember when you said to him whom Allah has blessed with Islam and you yourself have greatly favoured by setting him free a reference to Zayd ibn Haritha who had been captured in the Jahiliyyah and whom the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bought before he was sent as a messenger and then adopted أَمْسِكْ عَلَيْكَ زَوْجَكَ وَاتَّقِ اللَّهِ Keep your wife to yourself and be fearful of Allah with regard to divorcing her while concealing something in yourself which Allah wished to bring to light, meaning his love for her and that if Zayd were to divorce, to divorce her, he would marry her. You were fearing people and that they would say he has married his son's wife when Allah has more right to your fear in every matter so that you should not fear what people say. Then Zayd divorced her and her the past and Allah said, then when Zayd divorced her, we married her to you. Allah married her to the Prophet ﷺ and he celebrated the marriage by feeding people with bread and meat. So that there should be no restriction for the believers regarding the wives of their adopted sons when they have divorced them. Allah's command is always carried out. In these verses, verses 36 and 37, they speak about the marriage of the Prophet ﷺ to Zainab bintu Jahsh anha. And Zainab bintu Jahsh is the first cousin of the Prophet ﷺ. She is the daughter of his paternal aunt, Umayma bintu Abdul Muttalib. And Umayma is from the aunt of the Prophet ﷺ, from his father's side, his paternal aunt. And we know from our religion, that Safiya, the other paternal aunt, who is the mother of Zubair, Zubair she accepted Islam. The scholars differ as to the Islam of Umayma, the mother of Zainab and Abdullah ibn Jahsh. Did she accept Islam or not? Some of the scholars said that she accepted Islam. Another said that she didn't. And one of the reasons why there is that difference of opinion is because she is rarely mentioned. Whereas Safiya is mentioned in numerous narrations in the Battle of Uhud and elsewhere, she, her mention is more. Whereas Umayma is rarely mentioned. And so the scholars said, Allahu A'lam. And Al-Dhahabi is one of those scholars who mentions both positions and says, Allah knows best because we don't have anything clear. But anyway, that is not really the point of these verses. The, these verses in the tafsir that is given here by Al-Mahalli, Rahimahullahu Ta'ala, is really a tafsir that isn't becoming of as we said previously in the stories of the other prophets, of, of the prophets of Allah in general, and then especially of the prophets of Allah that the prophet would be someone who covets the wife 
of Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu anhu is the one that is the adopted son of the Prophet sallam, then he married her and then he fell in love with her and then he wanted to express that love and then and this is not something which is becoming of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa rather this is something which is either weak or fabricated or you know even more likely maybe one of the rumors that the munafiqeen of the time was spreading and so it's not befitting that we make tafsir of these verses concerning this issue in this way may Allah azza wa forgive us all the, therefore the correct tafsir of this is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa married his adopted son Zayd ibn Haritha who at the beginning of the surah, surah al-Hazab Allah establishes a rule that your adopted sons are not like your real sons they don't take your name, they don't take your lineage and therefore they don't take the other rulings of Islam as well they don't inherit from you they don't take, all of those rulings that come for your actual children are not transferred to your adopted children Yes, you do good to them, and yes, they are closer to you, and so on. But they don't take the rulings of Islam in that sense. And so, that is a, a, a ruling that Allah establishes at the beginning of the surah. Zayd ibn Haritha radiallahu anhu is married to Zainab radiallahu anha. And the Prophet is told by Allah that he will divorce her and you will marry her. He will divorce her and you will be married to her. And that is what Allah says, Mallahu mubdihi. Uh, Allah says You hide within yourself What Allah will make clear and apparent And that is what the Prophet is told That he will divorce her, you will marry her When Zayd then comes And says, O Messenger of Allah I'm thinking of divorcing my wife He doesn't say to her, I'm in love with her I would want to marry That's not the issue here The issue here is that the Prophet tells him, Amsik zawjak, keep your wife with you, because he's afraid of what the Quraysh will say and others, that the Prophet has married the wife of his adopted son. Because we know in the rulings of Islam and before Islam that you don't marry the your daughter in law even after divorce. She doesn't it's not someone that you marry. Allah is establishing a rule here that the adopted son doesn't follow that same law. For the adopted son, you can marry his wife because he's not like your real son. Doesn't mess up the lineage of the family. Doesn't have anything to do with your children and your blood relatives and so on because they are not related to you by blood. That is what Allah is establishing. But the Prophet didn't want people to speak about that issue and didn't want it to become an issue amongst the people and the Arabs and so on. That is the reason why he tells him to keep his wife. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla says, but it's something that was going to be decreed anyway. So he ends up divorcing her, and the Prophet marries her. And that is the correct tafsir of these verses. Nothing to do with the issue of falling in love, not falling in love. And the Prophet and the Prophets of Allah are more honorable and noble in status than for this to be their case. Rather, it is the issue of, is it allowed, not allowed, what will the people say? And Allah Azza wa Jalla commands that it will be so. And Zainab bintu Jahash radiallahu anha used to boast about this to the other wives of the Prophet that you were people or women who were married to the Prophet by your families, your parents, your fathers. As for me, I was married to the Prophet by the command of Allah Azza wa in the Quran. There is no restriction on the Prophet regarding anything Allah allows to him and makes lawful for him. This was Allah's pattern with those prophets who passed away before. Nothing can be held against them in respect of what Allah allowed them in marriage. And Allah's command is a preordained decree. 
الذين يبلغون رسالات الله ويخشونه ولا يخشون أحدا إلا الله Those who conveyed Allah's message and were fearful of him, meaning the previous prophets, fearing no one except Allah and not fearing what people say about what Allah has made lawful to them. Allah suffices as a reckoner of the actions of his creatures. Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, meaning not the father of Zayd, and so it is not lawful for him to marry his ex-wife, Zainab. So it is not unlawful for him. And so it is not unlawful for him to marry his ex-wife Zainab. But the Messenger of Allah and the final seal read as Khatam and Khatim, the instrument by which something is ended and sealed, of the Prophets. He was not the father of any man and no one after him would be a Prophet. Allah has knowledge of all things. He knows that there is no Prophet after him and that when Isa descends he will judge by his Sharia. Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse number 40 says, Matana Muhammadun Aba Ahadimir Rijalikum. Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is not the father of any of your men, meaning anyone from amongst you from the men. And we know that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had sons. His kunya is Abu Qasim, and he had a son by the name of Abdullah and a son by the name of Ibrahim. But the men, meaning of the verse is that none of them lived to adulthood. He is not the father of any men amongst you. Not that he wasn't a father at all, but that none of those children reached manhood, they didn't reach adulthood, they died in the in infancy and so the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is being told that you are not the father of any man from amongst you وَلَكِ الرَّسُولَ اللَّهِ وَخَاتَمَ النَّبِيِّينَ and the author wa ta'ala has mentioned the two qiraat khatam and khatim and khatam is the one that we read in Asim's recitation or the other nine qiraat read khatim with a kasra and khatam with the fatha is the seal he is the one that seals prophethood and Khatim with the Kasra means the last of them. So he is the last of them and he is the one that sealed Prophethood. And this is a meaning that is mentioned in the hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim. In the hadith of Abu Hurairah the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam my example and the example of the other prophets who came before me is like the example of a house, a building that is extremely beautiful. And except for one brick that is missing. So when the people come and they walk around it they're amazed by the house and they're amazed by its beauty but when they see a missing brick they're like well if only that brick was full if only it was complete that brick that's missing makes the house incomplete and despite its beauty it is still missing something the Prophet ﷺ said I am that last brick meaning in the house of prophets alayhim salatu wassalam Ya ayyuhalladheena amanudhkumullaha dhikran kathira you who believe remember Allah much and glorify him in the morning and the evening, meaning the beginning and end of the day. It is he who calls down blessing on you, showing mercy to you, as do his angels asking for forgiveness for you, to bring you out of the darkness of unbelief into the light of faith. He is most merciful to the believers. In verse number 43, Allah says, He is the one who calls down blessings upon you, meaning that He sends His salat upon you. And what does it mean when Allah sends His salat upon someone? What does it mean when Allah sends His salat upon someone? And there are differences of opinion amongst the scholars of, of tafsir. 
the position that is the strongest of them and Allah knows best is what is mentioned by Ibn Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala and it's the one that Ibn Kathir then chose as well and that is that Allah's salah is to mention someone in the company of the angels when Allah makes salah he means that Allah mentions them in his company the noblest of company and that is the company of the angels and that's why in the hadith al-Qudsi when Allah says whosoever Men remembers me in a gathering, I will remember him in a gathering that is better. Whoever mentions me in a gathering, I will remember him in a gathering better than him. And that is the meaning of the salah of Allah, that Allah mentions you by name with those who are with him, the noblest of the angels. The greeting from Allah on the day they meet him on the tongues of the angels will be peace. And he has prepared a generous reward for them. Paradise. O Prophet, وسلم, we have sent you as a witness against those to whom he was sent, and a bringer of good news of the garden to those who affirm him, and a warner about the fire for those who deny him. <coughs> And he called it to obedience to Allah by his permission, meaning command, and a light giving, guiding lamp. Give good news to the believers that they will receive immense favor from Allah, meaning paradise. Do not obey the unbelievers and hypocrites in their opposition to your sharia and disregard their abuse of you. Do not harm them and do not pay them back for it until you are ordered to do so. Put your trust in Allah. He is well able to take care of your affairs. Allah suffices as protector. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِذَا نَكَحْتُمُ الْمُؤْمِنَاتِ ثُمَّ طَلَّقْتُمُوهُنَّ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ تَمَسُّوهُنَّ You who believe when you marry believing women and then divorce them before you have touched them read as تَمَسُّوهُنَّ and as تُمَاسُّوهُنَّ meaning have sexual intercourse with them فَمَا لَكُمْ عَلَيْهِنَّ مِنْ عِدَّةٍ تَعْتَدُّونَهَا There is no idda for you to calculate for them by menstrual cycles or other means. فَمَتِّعُوهُنَّ So give them a gift which they can enjoy if no dawah has been stipulated for them. If a dawah has been fixed, they should have half of the stipulated amount only. This is what Ibn Abbas said and is also the position of a shafi'i. وَسَرِّحُوهُنَّ سَرَاحًا جَمِيلًا And let them go with kindness, without causing them harm. In verse number 14, Allah Azza wa gives a warning from the rulings of marriage and divorce and that is that if a person gets married and then they divorce before consummation meaning that they don't have the opportunity to consummate the marriage they don't go and live together they don't go and conceal themselves in a room and whatever they divorce before they even get to that stage then Allah says that there is no idda upon the woman there is no waiting period because they never consummated the marriage and it is good for the husband therefore what he should do is he gives half of the dowry to her for divorcing her she keeps half the dowry and the other half is returned and that is as you can see here the position of Imam Shafi and also the position of Imam Malik rahmatullah Ya O Prophet, وسلم, we have made lawful for you your wives to whom 
you have given dowries and any slave girls you own from the beauty Allah has allotted you from among those unbelievers you have captured such as Safiya and Duwadiya وَبَنَاتِ عَمِّكَ وَبَنَاتِ عَمَّاتِكَ وَبَنَاتِ خَالِكَ وَبَنَاتِ خَالَاتِكَ اللَّاتِ هَاجَرُنَا مَعَكَ and the daughters of your paternal uncles, and the daughters of your paternal aunts, and the daughters of your maternal uncles, and the daughters of your maternal aunts, who have emigrated with you, but not of those who have not. And any believing woman who gives herself to the Prophet وسلم, if the Prophet desires to marry her without any dowry, exclusively for you, meaning this option of marriage by gift without a dowry, as opposed to the rest of the believers. We know very well what we have prescribed for them, meaning the believers in terms of rulings regarding their wives. So they may not have more than four wives and may only marry with a guardian, witnesses and dowry. And any slave girls they possess by means of purchase or other means such as capture, on condition that she be a woman of the book, not a Magian or pagan, and the period of istibra, the waiting period for slave girls, has been observed. In order that there be no restriction on you regarding marriage. Allah is ever forgiving of what is difficult to avoid Most merciful in respect of that In verse number 50 we have additional rulings And Allah Azzawajal begins this verse by addressing the Prophet And in the Quran when the Prophet is addressed It comes, of, it comes in one of three ways Number one is that the Prophet is addressed But the ruling is for him and for other than him like the beginning of Surah Al-Tahrim, Ya ayyuhal nabiyyu lima tuhadrimu ma ahallallahu lak. O Prophet of Allah, why have you made haram what Allah has made halal? The meaning of the verse is specifically to the Prophet but also every other Muslim, the same ruling applies. The second form that it comes in, or the second way or context that it comes in, is when it is the Prophet being addressed, but the ruling is not for him, but for the believers. Even though his name is the one being mentioned, like, the first verse of Surah Al-Talaq Ya ayuhal nabiyu idha talaqtum al-nisa fatalliquhunna li'iddatihinna wahsul idda O Prophet of Allah, when you divorce one of your wives then divorce them in the idda period that means that it's not the uh, that the verse of divorce is not for the Prophet because the Prophet never divorced his wives it is a ruling for the believers but the name of the Prophet وسلم, is taken to show the importance of the ruling the third context is when the name of the Prophet ﷺ is taken and it is meant for him alone. It is exclusively to him. Something which is specific to him. And this is the example that we have here in verse number 50. O Prophet of Allah, we have made lawful for you. So this is specific for the Prophet ﷺ. And from what the Prophet ﷺ is allowed to do is to marry those women that are taken as captives. Such as Safiya one of the wives of the Prophet that was captured and then the Prophet freed her and he married her and in the hadith it is said that her dowry was her freedom he freed her and then he married her and from what was specific to the Prophet is that a woman would be allowed to come and present herself for marriage to the Prophet and the Prophet would accept that marriage without dowry that's something specific to the Prophet ﷺ as well because of his status and this is mentioned in a number of hadith from there is a hadith in Sahih Muslim that one of the companions said that I was sitting with the Prophet ﷺ when I saw a believing woman come 
and say to the Prophet وسلم, I wish to marry you. The Prophet remained silent. She repeated a second time. He remained silent a third time. He remained silent. So then one of the companions said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, if you have no need to marry her, then marry her to me. I'm looking for a wife. So the Prophet وسلم, said, What do you have that you can give to her as dowry? He said, I have nothing. The Prophet said, find something, even if there is a ring of iron, a ring made of iron. The man said, O Messenger of Allah, I don't even have that. The Prophet was asked, what do you memorize of the Quran? So he told him, I know this many surahs. He said that I have married her to you on the condition that your dowry is you teach her what you know of the Quran. And so, and there are many fiqh rulings from that, but the point is that it goes to explain this verse of the Prophet one of the companions when he was narrating this hadith to his students, his daughter was amongst them. And she said, oh my father, doesn't this woman have any shame that she just goes and starts offering herself like that to the Prophet The companion replied and he said, oh my daughter, she was better than you because she wanted to be with the Prophet And who wouldn't want to be the wife of the Prophet ترجي من تشاء منهن وتؤوي إليك من تشاء. You may refrain from any of them you will, meaning defer the turn of any of your wives, and keep close to you, meaning visit any of them you will. ومن بتغيت ممن عزلت فلا دناه عليك. And if you desire to visit any you have left alone and miss their turn, there is nothing wrong in that. He was given a choice in that, whereas equal turns have previously been mandatory for him. ذَلِكَ أَدْنَى أَن تَقَرَّ أَعْيُنُهُنَّ وَلَا يَحْزَنَّ وَيَضَّيْنَ بِمَا آتَيْتَهُنَّ كُلُّهُنَّ This choice makes it more likely that they will be comforted and not be grieved, and all of them will be content with what you give them. وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ مَا فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ Allah knows what is in your hearts regarding women and inclination towards some of them rather than others. We have given you a choice about them to make it easier for you. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلِيمًا حَلِيمًا Allah is all-knowing about His creation, all-forbearing with respect to His penalty. لَا يَحِلُّ لَكَ النِّسَاءُ مِنْ بَعْدُ وَلَا أَنْ تَبَدَّلَ بِهِنَّ مِنْ أَزْوَاجٍ After that, meaning the nine wives about whom you have been given a choice, no other women are lawful, read as يَحِلُّ أَنْ تَحِلُّ for you. Nor may you exchange them for other wives. In other words, you may not divorce them and marry other women instead. وَلَوْ أَعْجَبَكَ حُسْنُهُنَّ إِلَّا مَا مَلَكَتْ يَمِينُكَ Even though their beauty might be pleasing to you, except for any you own slaves who are still lawful for you. The Prophet ﷺ owned Maria who bore him Ibrahim, who died while the Prophet ﷺ was still alive. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ رَقِيبًا Allah is watchful over all things and records them. Verse 52 is the one that we said then. Uh, as is the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, Ibn Abbas and the majority of them. That verse 52 is the reward that the wives of the Prophet received for choosing Allah and for choosing his Messenger And that reward is that the Prophet will never exchange them or marry any more on top of them and in addition to them. And so Allah said that he wouldn't divorce them, nor would he marry any more in addition to them. And so this was their reward for choosing Allah and his Prophet يا أيها الذين آمنوا لا تدخلوا بيوت النبي إلا أن يؤذن لكم إلى طعام غير ناظرين إلى ولكن إذا دعيتم فدخلوا 
ولكن إذا دعيتم فادخلوا فإذا طعمتم فانتشروا ولا مستأنسين لحديث You who believe do not go into the Prophet's rooms وسلم, except when you are invited to come and eat. Do not wait there while the food is being cooked. However, when you are called, go in and when you have eaten, disperse, not remaining there to chat with one another. Doing that causes annoyance to the Prophet وسلم, though he is too reticent to tell you so and ask you to leave. وَاللَّهُ لَا يَسْتَحِي مِنَ الْحَقِّ Allah is not reticent with the truth, making it clear that you should leave. وَإِذَا سَأَلْتُمُونَ مَتَاعًا فَاسْأَلُونَ مِنْ وَرَاءِ حِجَابٍ When you ask his wives, meaning the wives of the Prophet وسلم, for something, ask them from behind the screen. ذَلِكُمْ أَطَهَرُ لِقُلُوبِكُمْ وَقُلُوبِهِمْ That is purer for your hearts and their hearts, to avoid ambivalent thoughts. وَمَا كَانَ لَكُمْ أَن تُؤْذُوا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ وَلَا أَن تَنكِحُوا أَزْوَاجَهُ مِن بَعْدِهِ أَبَدًا It is not right for you to cause annoyance to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam in any way or ever to marry his wives after him. إِنَّ ذَلِكُمْ كَانَ عِندَ اللَّهِ عَظِيمًا To do that would be a dreadful thing in Allah's sight. Verse number 53, Allah Azzawajal says, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَدْخُلُوا بُيُوتِ النَّبِيِّ For you who believe do not go into the Prophets, Rooms and the word bait means house or abode, but the meaning here obviously is that the Prophet is house. When we say house, we often think of our houses and the homes that we live in. But the Prophet had a single room that was the house or the chambers of the Prophet. That is why the translator has chosen that translation, which is accurate. This verse, verse number 53, has also a cause of revelation behind it, as is mentioned in Sahih al Bukhari, and that is in the hadith of Anas. That when the Prophet got married to Zainab bint Jahsh radiallahu anha, which is the wife of or the former wife of Zayd ibn Haritha, the ex-wife of Zayd ibn Haritha, the Prophet وسلم, as his walima, his wedding feast, was inviting people into his home to come and eat. And so people would come a group at a time because the house is very small. So they come a few at a time, they eat, they leave, they eat, they leave. And this goes on for the night, as the Prophet keeps asking Anas radiallahu anhu and others, are there more to come? Are there more to come? So as it seems like there is the last batch now that is coming, the Prophet gets up and he goes to give salams to his other wives, goes to visit them and give them salams. So as he's greeting them, thinking that this is the last group, they're going to leave now, it's done, it's over. He finishes and he comes back and he sees them, people are still talking. The last group have thought, well, we're the last ones, we may as well make an, uh, uh, an event of this. And so they sit and they continue to converse. So the Prophet sees this and he doesn't say anything. Because that is from the beauty of the character of the Prophet He doesn't say anything, but he stands and waits outside. Until they eventually realize, oh, we're taking up too much time, we're imposing, and then they leave. And then the Prophet enters his house. So Allah Azza wa revealed this verse concerning that incident. إِن تُبْدُوا شَيْئًا أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ كَانَ بِكُلِّ شَيْءٍ عَلِيمًا Whether you divulge a thing, a reference to possible desire for marriage to them, or conceal it, Allah has knowledge of all things and will repay you for it. لَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْهِنَّ فِي آبَائِهِنَّ وَلَا أَبْنَائِهِنَّ وَلَا إِخْوَانِهِنَّ وَلَا أَبْنَاءِ إِخْوَانِهِنَّ وَلَا أَبْنَاءِ إِخْوَانِهِنَّ ولا أبناء أخواتهن ولا نسائهن ولا ما 
Malaikat Aymanun. They incur no blame in respect of their fathers or their sons or their brothers or their brothers or sisters' sons or their believing women or any slaves they own, male or female. If any of these people see them and speak to them without a screen. Be fearful of Allah with respect to what He commands. Allah is witness of all things. Nothing is hidden from Him. Allah and His angels call down blessings on the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا You who believe, call down blessings on him and ask for complete peace and safety for him. Say, O oh Allah, bless our Master Muhammad and grant him peace. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُؤْذُونَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ لَعَنَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَأَعَدَّ لَهُمْ عَذَابًا مُهِينًا as for those who abuse Allah and His Messenger وسلم, meaning unbelievers who describe Allah in a way which is inappropriate for him, such as attributing a son or partner to him and who deny his Messenger, Allah's curse is on them in this world and the next world. He has prepared a humiliating punishment for them, meaning the fire. وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْذُونَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ وَالْمُؤْمِنَاتِ بِغَيْرِ and those who abuse men and women who are believers when they have not merited it, accusing them of something they have not done, bear the weight of slander and lying and clear wrongdoing. Ya O Prophet, وسلم, tell your wives and daughters and the women of the believers to draw their outer garments, jalabib, closely around themselves. Jalabib is a plural of jilbab, which is a covering cloth that a woman wraps around herself, part of which hangs over the head and face when they go out for their needs. This makes it more likely that they will be recognized as free women and not slaves, and not be harmed by illusions, as happens with slave girls who do not cover their faces. The hypocrites used to make overtures to them. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُورًا رَحِيمًا Allah is ever forgiving of what happened before owing to lack of covering. Most merciful after covering has taken place. And this verse, verse 59, is the verse in the Quran that obligates the jilbab and the hijab for women. And uh, the common misconception that some people have that the jilbab and hijab isn't something which is in the Quran, it's not mentioned. This is the verse in the Quran that clearly mentions that. In the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Umar radiallahu anhu, he says, that I, my Lord agreed with me in three things, meaning that I made three suggestions that Allah Azza wa Jal then revealed revelation about. And actually, Umar mentioned more than three suggestions that Allah agreed with him in. But he mentions three in his own, in this particular narration. From the three is this, that he said, O Messenger of Allah, if only you commanded your wives to cover up, because as they leave the house, everyone sees them. And it's not just the believers in Medina, there's hypocrites and there's other people in Medina. It's not just they're not all companions. And when people enter into your house, they come and see you because the house is so small that the wives of the Prophet would be sitting on one side or in one corner. They too are seen. So if only you commanded them to cover up. And so the Prophet didn't say anything, but Allah revealed this verse. And he didn't just make it specific to the wives of the Prophet but he made it general to the wives and his daughters and to the believing women. لَإِن لَمْ يَنْتَهِ الْمُنَافِقُونَ وَالَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ وَالْمُرْجِفُونَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ If the hypocrites and those with sickness in their hearts, meaning those open to fornication, 
and the rumor-mongers in Medina do not desist from unsettling the believers by saying, the enemy has come against you, your forces have been slain, they have been defeated, we will set you onto them and give you power over them. Then they will be your neighbors, meaning living near you, there a very short time, and then they will be expelled. They are an accursed people, far from mercy. Wherever they are found, they should be seized and mercilessly put to death. This is a judgment on them. This is Allah's pattern and custom with those who passed away before. A reference to what happened in past nations to hypocrites who unsettled believers. You will not find any alteration in Allah's pattern. People will ask you about the last hour and when it will come. Say, only Allah has knowledge of it. What will make you understand? It may be that the last hour is very near. Allah has cursed the unbelievers and prepared a searing blaze for them, which they will enter. Where they will remain timelessly forever and ever, not finding any protector to guard them from it or any helper to defend them from it. They will say on the day their faces are rolled over in the fire, if only we had obeyed Allah and obeyed the Messenger. And they, meaning the followers, will say, Our Lord, we obeyed our masters, read as Sadatana and Sadatina, and great men, and they misguided us away from the way of guidance. Our Lord, give them double the punishment and curse them many times over. One reading has kabira instead of kathira, in which case the meaning becomes curse them greatly. In verse 68, as you can see in the commentary of Al-Mahalli, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says one reading has kabiran instead of kathiran. And our reading is kathiran. Uh, and so Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, Oh, he's saying one reading as Kabiran instead of Kathiran because Al-Mahalli is using the other recitation. Kabiran is only the recitation of Asim. All the other nine say Kathira. Wal'anhum la'nan Kathira. Which means curse them in a great number. And Kabiran is in a great amount, a great size. And Kathiran is to do with the amount. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, and both of these are correct Qiraat. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَا تَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ آذَوْ مُوسَىٰ You who believe do not be towards your Prophet ﷺ like those who abused Musa as when they said all that keeps him from bathing with us is that he has a defect. فَبَرَّأَهُ اللَّهُ مِمَّا قَالُوا Allah absolved him of what they said. When he placed his garment on a stone so that he could bathe and the rock ran away with it until it stopped with a group of the tribe of Israel. Musa caught up with it and took his garment and covered himself with it. They saw him and that he did not have the defect in his private parts imputed to him. And he was highly honored in Allah's sight. They, they abused our Prophet when he divided some booty and a man said, this is a division which is not for the sake of Allah Almighty. 
The Prophet ﷺ became angry at that and said, May Allah have mercy on Musa. He was abused with worse than this and remained steadfast. Al-Bukhari related it. In verse 69, we have Allah telling the Prophet ﷺ or the believers or the people not to be like those who harmed Musa. And Allah freed Musa from the claims that they made. And this hadith is the hadith of Abu Hurairah And from what I recall now, the hadith of Abu Hurairah which is an authentic hadith, doesn't say that the impediment that they accused Musa was, was to do with his private parts, but rather with an ailment in his body that he was trying to conceal, and Allah knows best. And so, we mentioned, I think, the story before that the rock runs away, and Musa chases it and strikes it, and so the people see though that what they were saying about him was untrue. And this hadith, is the, uh, the second hadith that he mentions, is the hadith of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu And that is, we mentioned before, when that man came and said, O oh, oh, Muhammad, divide this wealth in a way that is more just. You don't seek justice with your division of this war beauty and this wealth. From the wordings of the hadith is that the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam at the end, May Allah have mercy on my brother Musa. He was harmed more than this, and he was steadfast. And this is common in the Sunnah that you find that the Prophet ﷺ would often refer to his brother prophets in terms of what they had to endure. Be that Yusuf ﷺ and his remaining in the in prison, or Lut ﷺ and not having any tribe or family to protect him and help him, or wherever it may be. And this is another example of that. Ya you who believe, be fearful of Allah and speak words which hit the mark, meaning words which are correct and to the point. He will put your actions right for you and accept them and forgive you your wrong deeds. All who obey Allah and His Messenger وسلم, have won a mighty victory. The verses 17 and 71 are the final verses that the Prophet ﷺ used to mention often in his khutbatul hajjah when he would praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he would often at the beginning of his sermons and speeches mention three verses the first of them we covered in Surah Al-Imran the second of them was the first verse of Surah Al-Nisa and this is the third one verses 70 and 71 in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to speak words that are truthful and upright we offer the trust, meaning the prayers and other things which there is a reward for doing and a penalty for omitting to the heavens, the earth and the mountains. And he created consciousness and articulation in them, but they refused to take it on and shrank from it. But man, meaning Adam, took it on when it was offered to him. He is indeed wrongdoing and ignorant of it. In verse 72, Allah says, Inna We offered the trust. And the scholars of tafsir have many statements concerning how they define that trust. Some of them said it is the salah. Some of them said it is the obligations that Allah placed upon this ummah. Some of them said it is good character or truthful speech or whatever it may be. But it all comes down to essentially one point as an Imam al-Qurtubi said. He said it is what Allah has placed in terms of good deeds upon the ummah, either that will bring reward or punishment. So it is those deeds, the ta'at, the good deeds, 
and or the uh, obligations or the, uh, yeah, the obligations that Allah has placed that brings about either reward or punishment. If a person doesn't, they get a reward. If they don't, they get punished. That is the trust that Allah offered to the heavens and the earth and the mountains and they all refuse out of fear from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his punishment. But mankind took it on because mankind, as Allah says, is someone who is wrongdoing and someone who is ignorant and heedless. ليعذب الله المنافقين والمنافقات والمشركين والمشركات. If so, so that Allah might punish the men and women of the hypocrites and the men and women of the idolaters who have squandered the trust. ويتوب الله على المؤمنين والمؤمنات and turn towards the men and women of the believers who have fulfilled the trust. وكان الله غفورا رحيما. Allah is ever forgiving, most merciful to the believers. Surah Saba, Sheba. This surah is Meccan except for Ayah 2, which is Medina. It has 54 or 55 ayat and was sent down after Luqman. So this is the 30, 34th surah of the Quran, Surah Saba. Surah Saba. And it is a Meccan surah according to the majority of the scholars of Islam to the extent that Imam Al-Qurtubi said there is Ijma'ah. However, there is some scholars who said that one of its verses is an exception and the verse that is the exception is not verse 2 but verse 6 Al-Mahali rahimahullah doesn't refer to verse 2 he refers to verse 6 as being this, the verse that is Medina and when we come to that verse he will say clearly that it refers to Abdullah ibn Salam radiallahu who was the Jewish scholar who accepted Islam the companion radiallahu so it is verse 6 that is the exception and not verse number 2 and it is 54 verses in our reading of the Mus'haf بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله Praise be to Allah Allah is here praising himself and what is intended by it is confirmation of the praise which belongs to him in every state and emphasizes the beauty of Allah الذي له ما في السماوات وما في الأرض وله الحمد في الآخرة to whom everything in the heavens and everything in the earth belongs as his kingdom and creation and praise be to him in the next world as well as in this world his friends will praise him when they enter the garden he is the all-wise in what he does, the all-aware of his creation. Allah Azza wa begins this surah, surah Sabah, by praising himself. And we've already mentioned that there are a number of surahs in the Quran in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by praising himself, like surah Fatiha, like surah Al-Am. And this is another example. And the next surah, surah Fatir, will be another example as well. <coughs> يَعْلَمُ مَا يَلِجُ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَا يَخْرُجُ مِنْهَا وَمَا يَنْزِلُ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَمَا يَعْمُجُ فِيهَا He knows what goes into the earth, such as water and other things, and what comes out of it, such as plants and other things. And what comes down from heaven, such as rain and other things, and what goes up into it, such as actions and other things. وَهُوَ الرَّحِيمُ الْغَفُورُ And he is the most merciful to his friends, the ever-forgiving towards them. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَا تَأْتِينَ السَّاعَةِ Those who disbelieve say, the hour of the resurrection will never come. قُلْ بَلَا وَرَبِّي لَتَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ عَالِمِ الْغَيْبِ Say to them, yes, by my Lord it certainly will come. He is the knower of the unseen. لَا يَعْزُبُ عَنْهُ مِثْقَالُ ذَرَّةٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَا أَصْغَرُ مِنْ ذَلِكَ وَلَا أَكْبَرُ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ مُبِينٍ the weight of the smallest particle eludes, either in the heaven or in the earth. Nor is there anything smaller or larger than that which is not in a clear book, meaning the preserved tablet. This is so that he may recompense those who believe and do right actions. 
You'll have forgiveness and generous provision in paradise. But those who strive against our signs, meaning the Quran, trying to nullify them, read as Mu'ajizina and Mu'ajizina, they cannot escape Allah merely by thinking that there will be no resurrection or punishment, will have a punishment of agonizing pain. Those who have been given knowledge, referring here to the believers of the people of the book, such as Abdullah ibn Salam and his people, see, meaning know, that what has been sent down to you, meaning the Quran, from your Lord is the truth. And that it guides to the path of the Almighty, the praiseworthy. This is the verse, verse number 6. Those who have been given knowledge. And the author Taala says that it refers to companions from the people of the book who accepted Islam, such as Abdullah ibn Salam. And that is on the basis that that verse then is a Medinan verse, that it is the exception to the rest of the surah. And on the other position, the position of Ibn Kathir and the majority of the scholars of Tafsir, that the verse is also Meccan, so the entire surah is Meccan. Then the people of knowledge that is being referred to here are the companions of the Prophet in general. And not specifically those from amongst them who were Jews or Christians and then accepted Islam, but rather the companions in general. And Allah knows best. Those who disbelieve say to one another in astonishment, shall we lead you to a man, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who will tell you that when you have completely disintegrated, you will then be recreated all anew. Has he invented a lie against Allah by saying that, or is he possessed, meaning mad, so that he, ma- so that he imagines it? Allah says, No indeed, those who do not believe in the next world, which involves belief in the resurrection and the punishment, are in punishment and deeply misguided away from the truth in this world. Have they not looked at the sky and the earth in front of them and behind them and above them and below them? If we willed, read as, and also he willed, we would cause the earth to swallow, read as, and also we would cause the earth to swallow them up, or make great lumps, read as, and fall down, read as, and also fall down on them from the sky. There is certainly a sign indicating the power of Allah to resurrect and to do whatever else He wishes in that, which can be seen for every remorseful slave. We gave Dawood great favor, meaning prophethood and a book from us. O mountains and birds, echo with Him in His praise and glorification of Allah. And we made iron malleable like putty in his hands for him. In verse number 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this from the virtues of the Prophet Dawood alayhi salatu wasalam. And it's something which we covered before. 
that from the virtues that Allah Azza wa Jal and the favors that Allah gave to the Prophet Dawood is what he mentions here, Ya Jibalu Awwibi Ma'ahu wa That when the Prophet Dawood would recite the Psalms that Allah had revealed to him, the Zabur, that because of his resonating voice and the beauty of his recitation, that the mountains would echo with his recitation and his glorification of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the birds would circle above him and they would circle above him listening to his recitation of the Qur'an and we mentioned the hadith in Al-Bukhari which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam likened the recitation of Abu Musa al-Ash'ari radiyallahu to the fruits of Dawood alayhi salatu wassalam and in another hadith it is said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed by Abu Musa radiyallahu al-Ash'ari whilst he was reciting the Qur'an at night and then the next morning and he stopped to listen to him amazed by his voice and the next day the Prophet said to Abu Musa last night I heard you reciting the Qur'an and I stopped to listen Abu Musa said O Messenger of Allah I didn't know you were listening had I known I would have increased it in beauty and he's not the only one there were a number of the companions who were known to have amazing voices and the Prophet the companions used to love to listen to their recitation from them is what is mentioned in the hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha when one evening she came home late to the house of the Prophet so the Prophet asked her what delayed you, where were you? she said, O Messenger of Allah, as I was coming I stopped by to, and I heard in your masjid a man reciting from your companions who was amazing in his recitation so I stopped to listen to him so the Prophet said, who was he? she said, I don't know so the Prophet went to look in the masjid to see who was reciting he came back and he said, that is Salim the free slave of Abu Hudayfa radiyallahu anhum ajma'in أَنِعْمَلْ سَابِغَاتٍ وَقَدِّرْ فِي السَّرْمُدَ Make full length coats of mail. The word sabirat implies that they are so long that the skirts drag on the ground, measuring the links. The word sarud refers to the meshing of the chains of the armor, with care. وَعْمَلُوا صَالِحًا And act rightly, family of Dawood, all of you. إِنِّي بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرٌ For I see what you do and will repay you for it. وَلِسُلَيْمَانَ الرِّيحَ غُدُوهَا شَهُرٌ وَرَوَاحُهَا شَهُرٌ And we gave Sulaiman power over the wind, read as Riha and Rihu. A month's journey in the morning, during the time from dawn up until midday, it travelled the distance it takes people a month to travel, and a month in the afternoon, covering the distance it takes people a month to travel. وَأَسَلْنَا لَهُ عَيْنَ الْقِطْرِ And we made a fount of molten brass flow out for him, which flowed for three days and nights like water. And people still use today what Sulaiman was given. And some of the jinn worked in front of him by his Lord's permission, meaning command. And if a single one of them deviates at all from our command and does not obey, we make him taste the punishment of the searing blaze in the next world. It is also said that the punishment referred to takes place in this world by being beaten by an angel with a whip that will burn them. This verse, verse number 12, now speaks about the virtues of the Prophet Sulaiman. Alayhi salatu wassalam, in the Quran, when Allah mentions one of these two Prophets, who are father and son, Allah mentions the other even if only in name or in passing. Sulaiman alayhi salatu wassalam, Allah azza wa gave him from the, from the miracles that he gave him, was the command of the wind, that he would be able to traverse great distances, in a very short period of time, as Allah says here, that a month's journey would take him a morning because the wind would obey his command by the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And from those uh, miracles that Allah gave to him and the abilities that Allah endowed him with was his ability to command the jinn. 
and that the jinn would have to obey him. And if they didn't, they would be punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَعْمَلُونَ لَهُمْ مَا يَشَاءُ مِنْ مَحَارِبَ وَتَمَاثِيلَ وَجِفَاهٍ كَالْجَوَابِ وَقُدُورِ الرَّاسِيَاتِ They made for him anything he wished, high arches, tall structures which, be, which could be climbed by means of ladders and statues, made of brass, glass and marble, as making images was not unlawful in their religion. Huge dishes like cisterns, big enough for a thousand people. Great built-in cooking vats, which could not be moved. Built from stone, taken from mountains in Yemen, and which needed rope ladders to be reached. Work, family of Dawood, to obey Allah in thankfulness for what he has given you. But very few of my slaves are thankful and obey Allah and to thankfulness for his blessings upon them. In this verse, verse number 13, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, يَعْمَلُونَ لَهُ مَا يَشَاءُ مِنْ مَحَارِيبَ وَتَمَاثِيمِ They would create for him anything we wished, he wished, from high arches and statues. And the author, rahimahullah ta'ala, says, made of brass, glass, marble, as making images was not unlawful in their religion. And that is, on the tafsir, that the word tamathil refers to a statue. Tamathil generally means a type of picture, or something that is, a picture or an image and some of the scholars of tafsir went to take that literally as meaning images of living things of living beings statues of people and animals and birds and so on and they said because it's not haram in their religion but that seems to be a weaker opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir because we know that from one of the biggest means of shirk prevailing upon the earth for, throughout all of the generations not only in the time of the prophet but for all of the generations, is because of those statues and images that were made that people started worshipping besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is clearly mentioned in the narration of Abdullah ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhu al-Bukhari, in the story of the Prophet Nuh alayhi salam. That the way that shirk began is when those people made idols that they made after righteous men. As a reminder initially, but then over time that reminder got changed to worship of them. So for it therefore to be halal in some Shara'i' in some shari'as of the prophets and not in others seems to go against the general principles of the sunnah and that is why the other opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir as to the meaning of tamathil is that it is images that are not of living things images of mountains, images of trees, images of, of oceans, images of whatever it may be that are not living beings and that is mentioned by an Imam al-Shawkani rahimahullah in tafsir and it is the position that was chosen by Shaykh ibn Uthaymeen rahimahumullah ta'ala and that is therefore the tamathil. Yes, they are made from gold and from brass and from glass and from those materials because that was from the miracle that Allah gave to Sulaiman alayhi salam. But it's not referring to images of living things, but rather images in general. And just as the ruling is in our religion as well, what is haram is to create something that is a living thing. But if someone wants to just paint nature and the sun and the moon and so on, then there is nothing wrong with that. And Allah knows best. And Allah Azzawajal praises the family of Dawood for their gratitude. That they were from those people who were truly grateful to Allah. In the hadith of Bukhari of Jabir, the Prophet said وسلم, that indeed Allah, the most beloved of salah, meaning the night prayer to Allah, is the night prayer of Dawood. He would sleep for half the night, then he would stand in prayer for a third of the night, and then he would rest again for a sixth of the night. And the best of fasting, the most beloved of fasting to Allah is the fasting of Dawood. He would fast a day and he would miss a day. Alayhi salatu was salam. فَلَمَّا قَضَيْنَا عَلَيْهِ الْمَوْتِ 
Then when we decreed that he, meaning Sulaiman, should die, he died and then remained upright leaning on his staff, while dead for a year. The jinn continued to do those arduous tasks as normal. They were not aware that he had died until woodworms ate the staff and he fell down. مَا دَلَّهُمْ عَلَى مَوْتِهِ إِلَّا دَابَّةُ الْأَرْضِ تَأْكُلُ مِنْ سَأَتَهُ Nothing divulged his death to them except the worm which ate his staff, which he used to discipline, to discipline them. فَلَمَّا خَرَّتَ بَيَّنَتِ الْجِنُّ أَلَّوْ كَانُوا يَعْلَمُونَ الْغَيْبَ مَا لَبِثُوا فِي الْعَذَابِ الْمُهِينَ So that when he fell down dead, it was made clear to the jinn that if they had truly had knowledge of the unseen, they would have known that Sulaiman had died, and they need not have stayed there suffering humiliating punishment, meaning the arduous tasks. They only did so because they thought that Sulaiman was still alive. It took some time because the woodworms could not consume the staff in the day and the night. And this is from the signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that shows that the jinn do not know the unseen. And they don't have the knowledge except the knowledge that Allah gave to them, the knowledge that they steal from the heavens and the lies that they mix with that and so on. And so the Prophet Sulaiman Allah decrees that he dies in a standing position leaning on his stick. And they think that he's still observing them and watching them and they continue to work and work. And only Allah knows best how long that period lasted for until that woodworm or that insect ate the inside of the stick of Sulaiman so that it becomes hollow and weak. And that is when Sulaiman falls on the ground and they realize that he's been dead for much longer than they thought or that they realized. لقد كان في مسكنهم There was also a sign indicating the power of Allah Almighty for Saba, the name of the tribe which was named after an Arab ancestor of theirs in their dwelling place in Yemen. <coughs> Two gardens, one to the right and one to the left of their valley. They were told, Eat of your Lord's provision and give thanks to Him. For his blessing, you with the land of Sabah. A bountiful land of good fertile earth with no salt in it or gnats, flies, fleas, scorpions or snakes so that a stranger could travel through it without danger and the lice in his clothes would die due to the wholesomeness of its air. And a most forgiving Lord, meaning Allah. In this uh, verse, verse 15 onwards, we now have the story of the people of Sabah after whom the surah is named. And Sabah is, as we said, the area of Yemen. That a, a, they used to have kings in that area and they rule that area. It is referring to that area. And it's not the same period of time or the same people that are mentioned in Surah Al Naman, in the story of Sulaiman and Bilqis, the queen of Saba. This is the same area for a different time frame and a different people, and Allah knows best. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala relays this story and we don't know the details of who they were, particularly which people or which time period they came in. But Allah relays this story as an example of those who are grateful and ungrateful. After mentioning the story of Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi And Allah saying that they were from the most grateful of people. And Allah azawajal calls them grateful servants of His. Now Allah azawajal will give us an example of people who are not grateful. Despite receiving some of the greatest blessings of Allah azawajal. And this story has parallels with the story in Surah Al-Kahf of the man with the two gardens. But they turned away from thankfulness and were ungrateful. So we unleashed against them the flood from the great dam. The word for dam, alim, comes from ulma and means a structure or something else which blocks the water until the time when it is needed. And it was released on their valley and flooded their gardens and property. And 
and exchanged their two gardens for two others, containing bitter-tasting plants and tamarisk and a few lobe trees. That exchange is how we repaid them for their ingratitude. Do we repay any for the ungrateful? Read as In which case the meaning becomes Are any for the ungrateful repaid? Like this So Allah Azza says Because of their lack of gratitude Despite the many blessings That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bestowed upon them Allah Azza wa changed The goodness that they had within their gardens To something which was unbeneficial to them just like as, as we mentioned in the story of the man with the two gardens in Surah Al-Kahf, who Allah Azza wa has given to him everything. But because of his lack of gratitude and his disbelief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah Azza wa destroys what he had. And this is a similar incident. We placed between them, meaning Sabah in Yemen, and the cities we had blessed with water and trees, meaning the towns of Syria, to which they travelled for trade. Other clearly conspicuous cities on a continuous route from Yemen to Syria, making the measured stages on the way, in such a way that travellers could be in one town at midday and another at nightfall until the end of the journey, so that they did not need to carry provision or water. Allah said, Travel between them in safety, without fear, by night and day. They said, Our Lord put more distance between our stadium posts, read as Ba'id and Ba'id, on the journey to Syria, so that there are deserts to make the journey too long for the poor people because of the need for riding animals and for carrying provision and water. <coughs> They wronged themselves with unbelief, so we made legends of them, for those after them and scattered them into little groups throughout the land without a trace. There are certainly signs in that for everyone who is steadfast in avoiding acts of disobedience and thankful for blessings received. وَلَقَدْ صَدَّقَ عَلَيْهِمْ إِبْلِيسُ ظَنَّهُ فَاتَّبَعُهُ إِلَّا فَرِيقًا مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Iblis was correct, read as صَدَّقَ and صَدَقَ in his assessment of them, meaning the unbelievers, including Saba, in thinking that they would follow his misguidance. And they followed him and proved him correct in what he said, except for a group of believers who did not follow him. وَمَا كَانَ لَهُ عَلَيْهِمْ مِنْ سُلْطَانٍ إِلَّا لِنَعْلَمَ مَنْ يُؤْمِنُ بِالْآخِرَةِ مِنْ هُوَ مِنْهَا He had no authority over them except to enable us to know, by outward signs, those who believe in the next world from those who are in doubt about it. And we will repay each group. وَرَبُّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَفِيظٍ Your Lord is a preserver of all things. قُلِ ادْعُوا الَّذِينَ زَعَمْتُمْ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ Say, Muhammad وسلم, to the unbelievers of Mecca, call on those you make claims for, to be gods, besides Allah, to help you in the way you claim that they can. Allah says of them, They have no power over even the smallest particle of either good or evil, either in the heavens or in the earth. They have no share in them. He, meaning Allah, has no need of their, meaning God's, support. Intercession with him will be of no benefit. This refutes what they say about their gods interceding for them, except for someone who has his permission, read as, 
أذن أن أذن حتى إذا فزع عن قلوبهم قالوا ماذا قال ربكم So that when the terror has left read as فزع and فزع their hearts by Allah's permission they will say to one another enjoy what did your Lord say about it قالوا الحق they will say the truth وهو العلي الكبير he is all high above his creation the most great Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse number 23 says at the end of the verse قالوا ماذا قال ربكم قالوا الحق وهو العلي الكبير and this is what is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah رضي الله عنه الصحيح البخاري that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala issues a command in the heavens the angels lower their wings in humility and submission to the command of Allah Azza wa Jalla and then the angels ask one another, what did your Lord say? They say, he spoke the truth. And as you can see in verse number 23, that this time the author, Ta'ala, when he mentions the name of Allah, Al-Ali, that he is all high, he gives a correct tafsir. And that is that Allah Azza wa is all high above his creation in the manner which befits his majesty. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Say, who provides for you from the heavens, meaning rain, and earth, meaning plants. Say, Allah. It is certain that one or the other of us, either we or you, is following guidance or else clearly astray. Say, you will not be asked about any evil we committed and we will not be asked about what you did because we are innocent of what you did. Say, our Lord will bring us all together on the day of rising and then will judge between us with the truth. Those who supported the truth will enter the garden and those who followed falsehood will enter the fire. He is the just decider, the all-knowing of what to decree. Say, show me and inform me about those you have joined to him as associates in your worship. No, indeed. He is Allah, the Almighty in his command, the all-wise in managing his creation and having no partner in his kingdom. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا كَافَّةً لِلنَّاسِ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا We only sent you for the whole of mankind. The adjective is put before the noun in the Arabic to emphasize it. To bring good news of paradise to the believers and to give warning to the unbelievers of the punishment. وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ But most of mankind, including the unbelievers of Mecca, do not know it. وَيَقُولُونَ مَتَى هَذَا الْوَعْدُ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ They say, when will this promise of the punishment come about if, come about if you are telling the truth? قُلْ لَكُمْ مِعَادُ يَوْمٍ لَا تَسْتَأْخِرُونَ عَنْهُ سَاعَةً وَلَا تَسْتَقْدِمُونَ Say, you have a promised appointment on a day, meaning the day of resurrection, which you cannot delay or advance a single hour. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَنْ نُؤْمِنَ بِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ وَلَا بِالَّذِي بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ Those who disbelieve among the people of Mecca say, We will never believe in this Qur'an, nor in what came before it, meaning the Torah and Gospel, which also speak of the resurrection because they deny it. Allah says, وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذِ الظَّالِمُونَ مَوْقُوفُونَ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ If only you, meaning Muhammad wasallam, could see when the wrongdoers, meaning unbelievers, standing in the presence of their Lord. Cast accusations back and forth at one another, 
يقول الذين استضعفوا للذين استكبروا لولا أنتم لكنا مؤمنين Those deemed weak, meaning the followers, will say to those deemed great, the leaders, were not for you preventing us from believing, we would have, belie- we would have been believers in the Prophet. In verse 31, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لَنُؤْمِنَ بِهَذَا الْقُرْآنِ Those who disbelieve say, we will never believe in the Qur'an. And then Allah Azza wa mentions how they will appear on the Day of Judgment. And as we mentioned in the previous class, this shows therefore that the understanding of those verses which Allah Azza wa says that they will not speak on the Day of Judgment. And there are other verses that say that they will speak, that one of the ways that the scholars reconcile between those two verses or those two groups of verses is that there will be times in which Allah Azza wa will allow them to speak and other times in which they will not be allowed to speak. And as other scholars said, that the meaning of those verses is, is that even when they do speak, it is only in a way to increase their humiliation and their punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon them. And this is an example of that. Because as they speak to one another, they speak to one another back and forth, back and forth. It is to increase their sense of despair and their sense of humiliation. Because they're looking for a way out. They're looking for someone to ransom themselves from the punishment of Allah. They're looking for someone to take the brunt of blame from them. And so they will go back and forth. And that back and forth and consistent argument, uh, argumentation between them and their debating amongst themselves is an increased source of humiliation and punishment for them. قال الذين استكبروا للذين استضعفوا أنحن صددناكم عن الهدى بعد إذ جاءكم Those deemed great will say to those deemed weak Did we debar you from the guidance when it came to you? بل كنتم مجرمين No, it is you who are evildoers to yourselves And that is a proof therefore that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that it is not the position that Allah azza wa jal will allow other people to take the blame for your misguidance you cannot point to someone else and say, I just follow that person. Unless it is in a legitimate way that you ask them concerning the original and it's a scholar and you ask them to come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is a different rule. But in terms of generally just following blind, following people, my father did this, so I do this, my elders said this, so I do this, it's the custom of my people, so I follow them. That is not something which Allah azza wa will accept on the day of judgment. So when those people come, their leaders will say to them, we never prevented you from guidance. We never told you not to accept guidance. Don't blame us on this day. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ اسْتُضْعِفُوا لِلَّذِينَ اسْتَكْبَرُوا بَلْ مَكْرُوا اللَّيْلِ وَالنَّهَارِ إِذْ تَأْمُرُونَنَا أَنْ نَكْفُرَ بِاللَّهِ وَنَجْعَلَ لَهُ أَنْدَادًا Those deemed weak will say to those deemed great, No, it was your scheming night and day against us when you commanded us to reject Allah and assign equals, meaning partners, to Him. But they, meaning both parties, will show their remorse for not believing in Allah when they see the punishment. The word for show here, asarru, can also mean conceal, in which case the meaning is that they will hide their remorse from their companions out of fear of being blamed. We will put iron colors around the necks of those who disbelieved in hell. Will they be repaid for anything for what they did in this world? In verse number 33, Allah says, We will put iron collars around the necks of those who disbelieved in hell, meaning that their hands will be chained to their necks. That is the meaning of having iron collars around their necks, that their hands will be tied and chained to their necks. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't explicitly mention the hands because it is understood in the fact that it is chains around their necks. And that is 
that their hands will be tied to a collar on their necks, and that is from an increased source of humiliation upon them. وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا فِي قَرْيَةٍ مِّن نَذِيرٍ إِلَّا قَالَ مُتْرَفُوهَا إِنَّا بِمَا أُرْسِلْتُمْ بِهِ كَافِرُونَ We never sent a warning into any city without the affluent people, meaning its leaders, in it saying, We reject what you have been sent with. وَقَالُوا نَحْنُ أَكْثَرُ أَمْوَالًا وَأَوْلَادًا وَمَا نَحْنُ بِمُعَذَّبِينَ They also said, We have more wealth and children than those who believe. We are not going to be punished. قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّي يَبْسُطُ الرِّزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَقْدِمُ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ Say, my Lord expands the provision of anyone he wills or restricts it as a test. But the majority of mankind, including the unbelievers in Mecca, do not know it. وَمَا أَمْوَالُكُمْ وَلَا أَوْلَادُكُمْ بِالَّتِي تُقَرِّبُكُمْ عِنْدَنَا زُلْفَا إِلَّا مَنْ آمَنَ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا فَأُولَئِكَ لَهُمْ جَزَاءُ الضِّعْفِ بِمَا عَمِلُوا It is not your wealth or your children that will bring you near to us. Only in the case of people who believe and act rightly. Such people will have a multiplied recompense for what they did. Ten like it or more. وَهُمْ فِي الْغُرُفَاتِ آمِنُونَ they will be safe from all harm, death and all other harmful things in the high halls of paradise. It is not your wealth nor your children that will bring you closer to us unless you have iman and righteous deeds. And this is a point that we've mentioned previously in the tafsir of the Quran. And that is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala requests or demands as a base condition to have iman. And once you have that iman, then if you use your wealth in a way that is pleasing to Allah Azza wa and your children and your offspring in a way that brings you closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah rewards you for that. And that is from the benefits of intention. That a person, once they have iman, can use their intention in terms of what they spend, in terms of their time with their family, and the way that they spend their wealth, and even how they eat, and they drink, and they sleep, and all of that becomes a good deed. And that is why the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, that there is sadaqah in everything, even if one of you feeds or puts a morsel of food in the mouth of your wife. Why? Because if you do it with the intention that you're coming closer to Allah Azza wa that act of providing food for your family, whether it's someone who's paying the money or buying the shopping or cooking the food or placing it on the table, that is, if it is done with the intention of pleasing Allah Azza wa it becomes an act of ibadah. And that is why the scholars have that statement that is well known amongst them that they say that sometimes a person can attain with their intention more than they can attain with their reward. Uh, more than they can attain with their actions. You can attain with your intention more than you can attain with your action. And that's because sometimes you do the action but the intention isn't there. But sometimes you have the intention without the action and Allah Azza wa rewards you for that sincerity of intention and the conviction that you have. وَالَّذِينَ يَسْعَوْنَ فِي آيَاتِنَا مُعَاجِزِينَ أُولَٰئِكَ فِي الْعَذَابِ مُحْضَرُونَ But people who strive against our signs, meaning the Qur'an, trying to nullify them, declare them meaningless. Such people will be summoned to the punishment and will not escape it. قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّي يَبْسُطُ الرِّزْقَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ مِنْ عِبَادِهِ وَيَقْدِرُ لَهِ Say, my Lord expands the provision of any of his slaves he wills, or restricts it. As a test of constriction after expansion, or simply as a test. But anything good you expand will be replaced by him. He is the best of providers. The provision anyone gives to his dependents is from the provision of Allah. 
ويوم يحشرهم جميعا ثم يقول للملائكة أهؤلاء إياكم كانوا يعبدون On the day we gather them, meaning the idolaters, all together, and then say to the angels, was it you whom these people were worshipping? قالوا سبحانك They will say, glory be to you, you are above having any partner. أنت ولينا من دونهم You are our protector, not them. There is no friendship between us and them. بَلْ كَانُوا يَعْبُدُونَ الْجِنِّ No, they were worshipping the jinn, meaning shaytans, by obeying them. أَكْثَرُمْ بِهِمْ مُؤْمِنُونَ They mostly had faith in what they said to them. فَالْيَوْمَ لَا يَمْلِكُ بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ نَفْعًا وَلَا ضَرًّا Allah says, today you possess no power to help or harm one another. Those who are worshipped will not help those who worship them, nor will they intercede for them or punish them. وَنَقُولُ لِلَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا ذُوقُوا عَذَابَ النَّارِ الَّتِي كُنْتُمْ بِهَا تُكَذِّبُونَ And we will say to those who did wrong and disbelieved, taste the punishment of the fire which you denied. وَإِذَا تُتْلَى عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُنَا بَيِّنَاتٍ قَالُوا مَا هَذَا إِلَّا رَجُلٌ يُرِيدُ أَنْ يَصُدَّكُمْ عَمَّا كَانَ يَعْبُدُ آبَاءُكُمْ when our clear signs, meaning the Qur'an, are recited to them on the tongue of our Prophet Muhammad wasallam, they say, this is nothing but a man who wants to debar you from what? Meaning the idols your fathers used to worship. They say, this Qur'an is nothing but an invented lie against Allah. وَقَالَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا لِلْحَقِّ لَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ those who disbelieve say to the truth, meaning the Qur'an, when it comes to them, this is nothing but downright magic. We have not given them any books which they are studying, nor did we send before you any warning to them. So how can they say that you are lying? وَكَذَّبَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَمَا بَلَغُوا مِعْشَارَ مَا آتَيْنَاهُمْ Those before them also denied the truth, but these people do not even have a tenth of what we gave to them in terms of strength, long life, and great wealth. فَكَذَّبُوا مُسُولِي They denied my messengers to them. فَكَيْفَ كَانَ نَكِيرٌ And how complete was my denial, meaning Allah's rejection of them with respect to punishment and destruction. قُلْ إِنَّمَا أَعِذُكُمْ بِوَاحِدَةٌ Say, I exhort you to do one thing alone. أَن تَقُومُوا لِلَّهِ مَثْنَا وَفُرَادَ ثُمَّ تَتَفَكَّرُوا To stand before Allah in pairs and on your own and then reflect. مَا بِصَاحِبِكُمْ مِنْ جِنَّةٌ Your companion, meaning Muhammad وسلم, is not possessed, meaning mad. إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ لَكُمْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْ عَذَابٍ شَدِيدٌ he is only a warner. Come to you ahead, ahead of a terrible punishment in the next world if you disobey him. Allah says in verse 46, <laughs> Stand before Allah in pairs and on your own and then reflect. And that shows that one of the, the, the paths that led people to misguidance is because when they were in larger groups and when they were influenced by other people around them, that would lead them away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But often those same people when they're alone individually or there's only one or two of them and they were spoken to and given guidance and taught then they would accept that and they would realize that what it is is the truth. And this is even in the time of the Quraysh. If you look at for example the hadith of Abu Sufyan radiallahu when he's in the, when he's in front of the Caesar of Rome and the answers that he's giving everything he says shows to him and to everyone around him including the Caesar that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is truthful. 
So when they were alone, they would be forced to attest and to agree. But it is when they go back to their people and they're in the company of their noblemen and they have all of those social pressures and the influence of others over them, that is when they turn away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is when that pressure is something which is difficult to bear. And that is why this religion places so much importance on good company and good friendship. And the Prophet said, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, al-mar'u ala deeni khalili, a person is on the, friend, on the religion of their closest friend. And that is because of those social factors that influence us and those social pressures that place those demands upon us and what we believe and how we act. And you find in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ and in his seerah numerous examples of how individuals when they came, they would accept. Or they would at the very least realize that the Prophet ﷺ isn't crazy, he's not a poet, he's not just making things up, even if they didn't accept the message. But it is when they're together, often in their malak, in their groups, in their company, that is when they would be aggressive towards Islam and the Muslims. قُلْ مَا سَأَلْتُكُمْ مِنْ أَجْرٍ فَهُوَ لَكُمْ Say to them, I have not asked for you any wage, meaning for warning you and conveying the message, it is all for you. إِنْ أَجْرِيَ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ My wage, meaning reward, is the responsibility of Allah alone. وَهُوَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ شَهِيدٍ He is witness of everything and knows my truthfulness. قُلْ إِنَّ رَبِّي يَقْذِفُ بِالْحَقِّ عَلَّامُ الْغُيُوبِ Say, my Lord hurls forth the truth to his prophets, the knower of all unseen things, everything hidden that he has created in the heavens and the earth. قُلْ جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَمَا يُبَدِئُ الْبَاطِلُ وَمَا يُعِيدُ Say, the truth, meaning Islam, has come. Falsehood, meaning unbelief, cannot originate or regenerate and has no real effect. قُلْ إِن ضَلَلْتُ فَإِنَّمَا أَضِلُّ عَلَى نَفْسِي Say, if I am misguided away from the truth, it is only to my detriment, meaning only he will suffer from the wrong action of his misguidance. وَإِنْ اِهْتَدَيْتُ فَبِمَا يُوحِي إِلَيَّ رَبِّي But if I am guided, it is by what my Lord reveals to me, through both the Qur'an and other wisdom. إِنَّهُ سَمِيعٌ قَرِيبٌ He is all hearing of supplication close at hand. And this verse, verse number 50, is another example of the etiquettes of the prophets of Allah alayhim salatu wassalam. And that is what he is commanded to say, إِنْ ضَلَلْتُ فَإِنَّمَا أَضِلُّ عَلَى نَفْسِي If I am misguided, it is only to my own detriment. Meaning that he doesn't ascribe misguidance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because again, that is not from something which is befitting in its being ascribed to Allah azza wa jal. Even though it is Allah who decrees everything, guidance and misguidance. But it is not one of the etiquettes or the ways that we speak about our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala that we ascribe misguidance to him. وَإِنْ اِهْتَدَيْتُ But when it comes to guidance, then it is from my Lord and what He reveals to me. Because that is something which we ascribe to Allah Azza wa Jal. وَلَوْ تَرَى إِذْ فَزِعُوا فَلَا ثَوْتَ وَأُخِذُوا مِنْ مَكَانٍ قَرِيبٍ If you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, could only see when they are terrified by the resurrection, then you would see something terrible. And there is no way out for them to escape from us. And they are seized from a nearby place, meaning their graves. And Allah and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in a number of hadith mentioned that when he saw the fire, he said, that I have never seen anything more disturbing to me or more terrifying than what he saw of the fire. And a similar narration is mentioned about the grave and its punishment as well. Because it's reported that Uthman عن, when he would go to the graveyard, he would cry. And he would bring tears to his eyes. And so the people around him would say, O Uthman, when Jannah and Nara mentioned to you how fire and paradise are mentioned to you, you don't cry. But when you come to the graveyard and you remember death, you cry. 
He said, Allah, because I heard the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that indeed the grave is the first stage of the stages of the next life. Whoever it is made easy for them, everything else will be made easy afterwards. And whoever it is difficult for them, then everything after it also becomes difficult. And I heard the Prophet say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I saw the punishments of the grave, and I have never seen anything more terrifying than them. They will say, we believe in it. A reference to either Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa or the Qur'an. But how can they reach out for it, meaning faith, from a distant place, meaning from the next world, when the time for it was this world? When before they had rejected it in this world, shooting forth about the unseen from a distant place, guessing at matters which are invisible to them and very far from their perception, as when they call the Prophet ﷺ a magician or a poet or a soothsayer, all of which allegations are mentioned in the Qur'an. A barrier will be set up between them and the things that they desire, which is acceptance of faith, just as was done with their kind before, meaning the unbelievers before them. They too were in a state of crippling doubt. They doubted what they now believe and did not recognize the evidence they were shown in this world. Surah Fatir, the bringer into being. This surah is Mecca and has 45 or 46 ayat and was sent down after Al-Furqan. So this is the 35th surah of the Quran, surah Fatir which means the originator or the bringer into being. And it is a Makki surah according to the scholars of Tafsir ibn Kathir al-Qurtubi ibn Atiyah alayhim rahmatullah all agree that it is a Makki surah. And it is 45 verses in our uh, version or in our reading of the Mus'ha. And from the names of this surah that are also mentioned in the, in the books of Hadith, another, it is called surah Fatir because it's named after the name of Allah Azza wa Fatir. And that is mentioned in the first verse, Alhamdulillahi Fatir al-Samawati wal-Ard. That is one name. Another name that is mentioned in the books of Hadith, including in some of the narrations in Al-Bukhari and Al-Tirmidhi, is that this surah was known as Surah Al-Malaika, the surah of the angels, Surah Al-Malaika. And that is mentioned in some of the narrations in Al-Bukhari and Al-Tirmidhi. So called because Allah Azza wa also in the first verse makes mention of the Malaika, the angels, Ja'idi, Malaikati, Rusula. And so it is known by both names. In, in the early books of Tafsir and Hadith, but obviously over time the Quran and the Surah's names have kind of become established as to a single name in the Surahs of the Quran, more or less across the Muslim world. And so now it is predominantly known only as Surah Fatir. But you will find mention of it if you go to the books of Hadith and someone or some of the scholars of the past say, I read Surah Malaika. Like Ibn Abi Mulaik and others, they used to refer to the surah and say, Yesterday I recited Surah Malaika. And you're like, Well, what is Surah Malaika? This is what it's referring to. Surah Malaika, in the early narrations amongst the scholars, if you hear it, it is known as or it is referring to Surah Fatir. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Fatir is Samawati wal Praise be to Allah. Allah's praise of Himself in this way was explained at the beginning of Surah Sabah. The bringer into being of the heavens and earth. The name Fatir means the one who creates without any prior model. He who made the angels messengers to the prophets with wings. Two, three, or four. 
He adds to creation in any way he wills. إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ Allah has power over all things. In verse number one, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins by praising himself again. And we've already mentioned this in Surah Al-Kahf and in Surah Sabah, just the Surah before and other places in the Quran. Allah Azza wa says, فَاطِرِ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ The name Fatir is from the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the name Fatir and the name Khaliq and the name Barik are very similar in meaning, all of them referring to creation. And some of the scholars differentiated between those three names by saying that Al-Bariq is the one who comes up with the concept. Allah Azza wa comes up with the idea and the concept. He creates from conception, meaning that the idea of humans didn't exist before Allah Azza wa came up with it. It is the idea. Then Fatir is the one who creates, as Al-Mahalli says, without any pre-existing model. Adam salam is the first of his kind. There is no one before Adam. Iblis, on the opinion of the scholars, that he's the first of the jinn, is the first of his kind. No one before him. Then Al-Khaliq is the one who replicates creation. He's the one who then replicates a creation, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so those are three names of Allah Azza wa that are very similar in meaning, all of them referring to creation. Allah says, جَعِلِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ رُسُولًا He has made his angels into messengers. جَعِلِ الْمَلَائِكَةِ رُسُولًا أُولِي أَجْنِحَةٍ مَثْنَى وَثُلَاثَ وَرُبَعَ And they have different wings, some of them of two wings, some of them three, some of them four. يَزِيدُ فِي الْخَلْقِ مَا يَشَاءَ and then Allah Azza wa increases and adds to his creation as he wills. The scholars of Tafsir differ as to this part of the verse. He adds to his creation. Which creation is it referred to? Is it still speaking about the angels? Meaning that Allah Azza wa increases them in size and in wingspan and in wings as he pleases subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is possible and that is the opinion of a number of the scholars of Tafsir. Because we know in the hadith in Al-Bukhari of Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu an that the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that when he saw the angel Jibreel alayhi salam in his original form, he saw him with 600 wings filling the horizon, meaning filling everything that he could see. So Allah Azza wa increases them in creation, meaning the angels in their size and in their wings. Another said it is general. Allah creates the angels with two wings and three wings and four wings. And Allah creates whatever He wills in addition, meaning the angels and other than the angels. ما يفتح الله للناس من رحمة فلا ممسك لها وما يمسك فلا مرسل له من بعده. Any mercy, such as provision and rain, Allah opens up to people. No one can withhold, and any He withholds, no one can afterwards release. وَهُوَ الْعَزِيزُ الْحَكِيمُ He is the Almighty in His affairs, the All-Wise in what He does. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ اذْكُرُوا نِعْمَةَ اللَّهِ عَلَيْكُمْ Mankind, particularly the people of Mecca, remember Allah's blessing upon you by letting you live in the haram and preventing attacks on you. هَلْ مِنْ خَالِقٍ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَرْزُقُكُمْ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ Is there any creator other read as خَالِقٍ غَيْرُ and خَالِقٍ غَيْرِ then Allah providing for you with rain from heaven and with plants from the earth. The question demands a negative response that there is no creator and provider other than him. لا إله إلا هو فأنا تؤفكون There is no God but him. So how have you been perverted? How have you turned away from affirming his unity while understanding that he is your creator and provider? If they deny you, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and the message you bring of Allah's unity, the resurrection, the reckoning, and the punishment, 
messengers before you were also denied in the same way. So remain steadfast as they remain steadfast. All matters return to Allah in the next world, and He will repay those who deny and those who help the Muslims. Mankind, Allah's promise regarding the resurrection and other things is true. Do not let the life of this world delude you and seduce you into not believing in Allah's promise. And do not let the deluder, meaning shaitan, delude you about Allah on account of his deferral of your punishment and his forbearance towards you. Shaytan is your enemy, so treat him as an enemy by obeying Allah and not obeying him. He summons his party, those who follow him in unbelief, to be among the people of the searing blaze. In verse number 6, Allah says, Shaytan is your enemy, so take him as an enemy. And this is one of those verses in the Quran which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly tells us the mission of shaitan. And that his only role and goal in this life is to take as many of the human creation with him into the fire of hell. Allah says, Inna He only summons his people, his followers, to be from the people of the fire. And some of the scholars mentioned that the beauty of the Quran is that Allah Azza wa not only gives us the test, but he gives us the answers to the test. And he clearly tells us, don't do this, do this. And that is from the message of Allah Azza wa But how many people neglect what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them? And how many people turn to instead what shaitan commands them to do? Those who disbelieve will suffer a harsh punishment. But those who believe and do right actions will receive forgiveness and an immense reward. This explains what will happen to those who side with shaitan and to those who oppose him. Verse 8. This was revealed about Abu Jahl and others. And what of him? The evil of whose actions appears fine to him through distortion. So that he sees them as good. Is such a person like someone Allah has guided? Allah misguides whomever he wills and guides whomever he wills. So do not let yourself waste away out of regret for them about the fact that they do not believe. Allah knows what they do and will repay them for it. It is Allah who sends the winds, read as riyah in the plural and also rih in the singular, which raise and stir up the clouds, which we then drive to a dead, read as mayit and mate, land with no plants in it, and by them bring the earth to life after it was dry and dead, making crops and fodder grow in it. That is how the resurrection and bringing back to life will be. If anyone wants power, all power belongs to Allah, in this world and the next world. If anyone wants power, it is only obtained by obeying Allah, who then gives it to him if he wills. All good words rise, rise to him, and he knows them, and they are, there is no God but Allah, and things like that. And he raises up and accepts all virtuous deeds. 
But people who plot evil deeds against the Prophet and the Darul Nadwa to imprison him, kill him, or expel him, as mentioned in Surah Al Anfal, will suffer a harsh punishment. The plotting of such people is profitless and they will be destroyed. In verse number 10, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, all good words rise to him and he raises up all virtuous deeds. And the author Rahimullah Ta'ala says all good, all good words rise up to him meaning that he knows them. And that is the secondary meaning of that they rise up to him. The first one is that they literally rise up to him. And so some of the uh, scholars of tafsir who sometimes misinterpret some of the attributes of Allah Azza wa Jal misinterpret this verse because they say that Allah's rising or the rising of the, of the good words and the deeds means that he knows them and accepts them because what they're trying to say is that they don't literally rise up to him because they don't affirm that Allah is above his throne and so therefore the better tafsir is that they literally rise up to him and he knows them and he raises up meaning they literally the good deeds or virtuous deeds rise up to him and he accepts them and so Allah Azza wa Jal literally rises up to him because he's above the creation subhanahu wa ta'ala above his throne and it means that he knows them obviously and that he accepts them and then the scholars of Islam differ concerning or the scholars of tafsir differ concerning the meaning of this all good words rise to him and the good word primarily is the word of tawheed la ilaha illallah and then other good words and he raises up all virtuous deeds some of the scholars of Islam or tafsir said that it is the good deeds that cause the good word to rise up. It is the good deed that causes the good word to be risen up to the heavens. So, it is a person's extra deeds that causes that level of tawheed to rise. And that is because once they have tawheed, they do good actions. And that is the, as we know, the general belief of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah that Iman is not just to say La ilaha illallah, but it is to affirm that by tongue and with actions of the heart and the limbs. And so therefore the kalima of Tawheed is risen or rises up alongside the actions. The good deeds are the ones that rise there up and make it stronger and more virtuous. That is one tafsir. And the other tafsir is that good deeds, the opposite, the good deeds are not accepted except by virtue of Tawheed. Allah doesn't accept good deeds unless there is a good word that accompanies those deeds that cause it to rise up and ascend. Meaning, therefore, that good deeds are conditional upon Tawheed. And that is a well-known principle, obviously, in the Sharia. And it is the one chosen by a number of the scholars of Tafsir. And another, uh, another, uh, another one is as it is. The Tafsir is as it says in the verse, that good deeds rise up to Allah and good words rise up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as well. That they are not dependent upon one another. And some of the scholars combine between them combined between them and said that they help one another. The good word is strengthened by the deeds, but those deeds are not accepted except by the tawheed of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ يَمْكُرُونَ السَّيِّئَاتِ لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ شَدِيدٌ But as for those who plot evil deeds, some of the scholars said that their plotting in, 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 in addition to the evil deeds means that they have showing off. That not only do they do evil deeds, but their plotting is that they are not doing it for the sake of Allah. Another said that it means nifaq, hypocrisy. And the scholars said that this is worse. This type is worse that a person doesn't just do evil, that they sin, but they plot as to how to attain that evil as well. And that is why many of the major sins in Islam require an element of plotting, of planning. 
If a person sins by making a mistake, it is normally generally a minor sin. But if they plot in order to sin, it is often one of the major sins. A person steals, meaning that they plan to steal. A person commits murder because they planned and plotted to commit murder. A person commits zina because they planned and plotted to commit zina. A person accepts riba or uses riba because they have planned to get involved in that transaction that includes riba. And Allah knows best. والله خلقكم من تراب ثم من نطفة ثم جعلكم أزواجا. Allah created you from dust by creating your forefather Adam from it and then from a drop of sperm by creating all his descendants from that and then made you into pairs, male and female. وما تحمل من أنثى ولا تضع إلا بعلمه. No female becomes pregnant or gives birth except with his knowledge. وَمَا يُعَمَّرُ مِنْ مُعَمَّرٍ وَلَا يُنْقَصُ مِنْ عُمُرِهِ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ And no living thing lives long or has its life cut short without that being in a book, meaning the preserved tablet. إِنَّ ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ That is easy for Allah. In verse number 11, Allah Azza wa Jal says, وَمَا يُعَمَّرُ مِنْ مُعَمَّرٍ وَلَا يُنْقَصُ مِنْ عُمُرِهِ And no living thing lives long or has its life cut short. One opinion is, as the author Ta'ala says, that our, uh, what is apparent in the verse, and that is that our lifespan has been decreed by Allah Azza wa Jal. Our lifespan is what Allah has decreed, doesn't increase, doesn't decrease. Another position among some of the scholars of tafsir, and it is the minority opinion, is that this verse refers to how every day with the passing of it, a part of your life passes with it. A part of your age passes with it. So today, I am one year closer to my, one day rather, closer to my death. So I am decreasing in stages, in days, and in minutes, and in hours. I am decreasing in my lifespan. And even though that is the minority opinion, it is a position that is known among some of the scholars of the past, Al-Hasan al-Basri, and others, that would say, O son of Adam, O child of Adam, you are only a matter of days and hours. Every day a day passes, or every time a day passes, a part of you passes with it, and you come closer to your grave. And Allah knows best. وَمَا يَسْتَوِي الْبَحْرَانِ هَذَا عَذْبٌ فُرَاتٌ سَائِغٌ شَرَابٌ وَهَذَا مِلْحٌ أُجَاجٌ The two seas are not the same. The one is very sweet, refreshing, delicious to drink. The other, salty, bitter to the taste. وَمِنْ كُلٍ تَأْكُلُونَ لَحْمًا طَرِيًّا وَتَسْتَخْرِجُونَ حِلْيَةً تَلْبَسُونَهَا Yet from both of them you eat fresh flesh, meaning fish, and extract from the salt sea or from both fresh and salt ornaments for yourselves to wear, such as pearls and coral. And you see ships from them, cleaving through the waves so that you may seek his bounty through trade, and so that perhaps you will be thankful to Allah for that. يُولِجُ اللَّيْلَ فِي النَّهَارِ وَيُولِجُ النَّهَارَ فِي اللَّيْلِ وَسَخَّرَ الشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ كُلٌّ يَجْرِي لِأَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى He makes night merge into day and day merge into night, making them increase. And he has made the sun and moon subservient, each one running until a specified time, until the day of rising. ذَلِكُمُ اللَّهُ رَبُّكُمْ لَهُ الْمُلْكُ That is Allah, your Lord. All sovereignty is His. وَالَّذِينَ تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ مَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِن قِطْمِيرٍ Those idols you call on and worship besides him have no power over even the smallest speck. Allah Azza wa Jal in verse 13 at the end says وَالَّذِينَ تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ مَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِن قِطْمِيرٍ 
those that you call upon besides Allah have no, no power over even the smallest thing. Qatmir in the Arabic language can refer to a number of things according to the scholars of tafsir. Number one is that it refers to the membrane of the date stone. When you open up the date and inside you have the stone, you often have a very small membrane between the date stone and the date. Some of the scholars said that that is what is referring to as Qatmir, that even that they do not control. And that is something which is worthless. The date stone is worthless, but the membrane that separates the date stone from the date is even more worthless. It is worth nothing. And others from amongst them said that the Qitmir is, and I don't know the technical term for this, but when you take off the date from the date branch, and sometimes you have at the top of the date that small uh, remnant of what it came from. I don't know what the technical term is for that. But anyway, I think you understand what I mean when you take off sometimes at the top of the date, you find the remnants of where it's been plucked from the date, the date branch. That they said, that small thing, is also Qatmir, or can mean Qatmir. Meaning, either way, that it is something which is completely insignificant, worthless, of no value. Allah says that those that you call upon besides Him, do not even create that. They cannot even create or own that. إِن تَدْعُوهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُوا دُعَاءَكُمْ وَلَوْ سَمِعُوا مَا اسْتَجَابُوا لَكُمْ If you call on them, they will not hear your call. And were they to hear, they would not respond to you. وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكْفُرُونَ بِشِرْكِكُمْ On the day of rising, they will reject your making associates of them with Allah, meaning declare themselves free of you and your worship of them. وَلَا يُنَبِّئُكَ مِثْنُ خَبِيرٌ No one can inform you about the states of this world and the next, like one who is all aware, and that is Allah Almighty. يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ أَنْتُمُ الْفُقَاءُ إِلَى اللَّهِ Mankind, you are the poor in need of Allah in every state. وَاللَّهُ هُوَ الْغَنِيُّ الْحَمِيدُ Whereas Allah is the rich beyond need of His creation, the praiseworthy with respect whatever He does with them. Allah Azza wa Jalla verse 15 says, يَا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ أَنْتُمُ الْفُقَرَاءُ إِلَى اللَّهِ O mankind, you are the poor in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is al-ghani al-hamid, rich beyond all need. And the author rahmanahu wa ta'ala gives a good tafsir. The meaning that you are poor, meaning that you are always poor. In every circumstance, in every situation, you are always constantly in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah is al-ghani, he's the opposite. Allah is never in need of you. Doesn't need your worship, doesn't need your ibadah, doesn't need your iman, doesn't need your guidance, doesn't need anything from you subhanahu wa ta'ala. If he wills, he can dispense with you and bring about a new creation to replace you. وَمَا ذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ بِعَزِيزِ That is not difficult for Allah. وَلَا تَزِنْ وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى No burden bearer, meaning soul, can bear another's burden of sin. وَإِن تَدْعُ مُثْقَلَةٌ إِلَى حِمْلِهَا لَا يُحْمَلْ مِنْهُ شَيْءٌ وَلَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرْبَى If someone weighed down calls for help to bear his load, none of it will be borne for him, even by his next of kin, such as a father or son. This mutual inability is a decree of Allah. إِنَّمَا تُنْذِرُ الَّذِينَ يَخْشَوْنَ رَبَّهُمْ بِالْغَيْبِ وَأَقَامُ الصَّلَاةِ You can only warn those who fear their Lord in the unseen, without seeing Him, because they are the ones who benefit from the warning and establish the prayer regularly. وَمَنْ تَزَكَّى فَإِنَّمَا يَتَزَكَّى لِنَفْسِهِ Whoever is purified of shirk and other things is purified in himself alone, and alone reaps the benefit of it. وَإِلَى اللَّهِ الْمَصِيرِ 
Allah is your final destination and he will repay people in the next world for their actions in this world. In verse 18 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَلَا تَزِرُ وَازِرَةٌ وِزْرَ أُخْرَى No burden bearer will bear the, soul, the burden of another. وَإِن تَدْعُ مُثْقَلَةٌ إِلَى حِمْلِهَا لَا يُحْمَلُ مِنْهُ شَيْءٌ وَنَوْ كَانَ ذَا قُرْبَى If someone weighed down calls for help to bear his load, none of it will be born for him, meaning in terms of even the next of kin, meaning in terms of the sins. No one will take the burden of someone's sins upon themselves. Every person will bear their own burden. And in the hadith in the Sunan of Abi Dawood and the Muslim of Imam Ahmad, one of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ came one day to the Prophet ﷺ with his young son. And when the Prophet ﷺ saw them, he said to the companion, Is this your son? He said, Yes. He said, Do you testify to that? Do you bear witness to that? And the man said, Yes, O Messenger of Allah, meaning very firmly. The Prophet ﷺ smiled. Because he was amazed about how vigorous he was in terms of asserting his son and his right or that his son was his. The Prophet then said to him, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, but indeed he will not bear your burden and you will not bear his. He will not bear your burden and you will not bear his. How do we reconcile this verse then with the verse in Surah Al-Ankabut that we covered in which Allah Azza wa says, وَلَا أَثْقَالَهُمْ They will bear their own burden and the burdens of others alongside that. The way that we reconcile is that what Allah Azzawajal is referring to in this verse is that each person is, is responsible for their own deeds. My deeds are mine, I will hold account, I will be held to account for them. Yours are yours, you will be held to account for them. But the verse in Surah Al-Ankabut is that they will hold the burden of the sins of others because they were a part of their misguidance. They were a part of that process of them accumulating their sins. They call them to misguidance, they encourage them, they help them. So because of that, they get a share of that sin as well. And that is why the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man sanna fil Islami sunnat al-hasana, whoever commits a good practice, then he has that reward. And the reward of everyone who follows within him follows their footsteps without their reward being decreased. And whoever starts in evil practice will have the sin of that evil practice and the sin of others who help in that regard. And that is why, as we mentioned previously, concerning the story of the two sons of Adam and the son who killed the other son of Adam, السلام, that the Prophet said, no one commits murder except that a portion of that sin goes to that first son of Adam because he was the first one to commit murder. And so, it is important to understand the differences in the context of these verses. And Allah knows best. The blind, meaning unbelievers, and seeing, meaning believers, are not the same. Nor are darkness, meaning unbelief, and light, meaning faith. Nor are cool shade, meaning the garden, and fierce heat, meaning the fire. In these verses, the author Ta'ala is saying that they are sim- uh, similes and parables concerning uh, guidance and concerning misguidance. And that is the case. But in verse 21, nor are cool shade and fierce heat. Many of the scholars mean say that it refers to the cool shade of a cool day and the fierce heat of the sun. So the cool shade of the shade of a cool day and the fierce heat refers to the heat of the sun. But then these are parables of hellfire and paradise. The living, meaning believers, and dead, meaning unbelievers, are not the same. Allah makes anyone He wills hear, and guides them so they respond by believing. 
وَمَا أَنْتَ بِمُسْمِعٍ مَنْ فِي الْقُبُورِ But you cannot make those in the grave here, meaning unbelievers, who are likened to those in graves who do not respond. إِنْ أَنْتَ إِلَّا نَذِيرٌ You are only a warner. إِنَّا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ بِالْحَقِّ بَشِيرًا وَنَذِيرًا We have sent you with the truth, meaning guidance, bringing good news to those who respond to you and giving warning to those who do not respond. وَإِن مِّن أُمَّةٍ إِلَّا خَلَا فِيهَا نَذِيرٌ There is no community to which a warner, meaning prophet, has not come. وَإِن يُكَذِّبُوكَ فَقَدْ كَذَّبَ الَّذِينَ مِن قَبْلِهِمْ جَاءَتْهُمْ رُسُلُهُمْ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ وَبِالزُّبُرِ وَبِالْكِتَابِ الْمُنِيرِ If they, meaning the people of Mecca, deny you, those before them also deny the truth. Their messengers came to them with clear signs, meaning miracles, and psalms, which include the pages of Ibrahim, and the illuminating book, the Torah, and the Gospel. Be steadfast as they were steadfast. Then I seized hold of those who disbelieved on account of their denial, and how absolute was my rejection of them demonstrated by their punishment and destruction. In verse 25, Allah Azza wa Jalla says that the messengers came with the with the signs wabi zubur. The translator translates that as psalms. But as you can see from the mention of what the author Taala mentions in his commentary, that it's not doesn't mean psalms, but it means the divine scriptures generally. As we said before that the word Zubur in the plural, the Zabur in the singular form is the Psalms that was given to Dawud The Zubur in the plural, which is what you find in this verse, verse number 25, is in the plural form all of the divine scriptures, which therefore includes, as he mentions, the Torah and the Gospel and the scrolls that were given to Ibrahim and others. أَلَمْ تَرَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ أَنْزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَأَخْرَجْنَا بِهِ ثَمَرَاتٍ مُخْتَلِفًا أَلْوَانُهَا Do you not see, meaning know, that Allah sends down water from the sky, and by it we bring forth fruits of varying colors, green, red, yellow, and other colors. There is a change of person in this sentence from third person singular to first person plural. وَمِنَ الْجِبَالِ جُدَدٌ بِيضٌ وَحُمْرٌ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهَا وَغَرَابِيبُ سُودٌ And in the mountains there are streaks of white and red, such as paths and other things which are white, red and yellow, of varying shades of intensity, and rocks of deep jet black. وَمِنَ النَّاسِ وَالدَّوَابِّ وَالْأَنْعَامِ مُخْتَلِفٌ أَلْوَانُهُ كَذَلِكُ and mankind and beasts and livestock are likewise of varying colors, in the same way as fruits and mountains. Only those of his slaves with knowledge have fear of Allah, unlike the ignorant, such as the unbelievers of Mecca. Allah is Almighty in His kingdom, ever forgiving of the wrong actions of His believing slaves. In verse 28, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions also from the virtues of the scholars and the people of knowledge, Only those of His slaves with knowledge have fear of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is from those verses that speaks about the virtues of the people of knowledge and the scholars of Islam. And as Ibn al-Qayyim ta'ala says, that the verse is... Uh, has a dual meaning that those who fear Allah are the people of knowledge uh, and a person who wishes to fear Allah must therefore increase in knowledge so the scholars are those who fear Allah and with the fear of Allah do you increase in knowledge so it's one of those verses that has a dual meaning one of the greatest paths of increasing in knowledge is through the taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
and by having the taqwa of Allah Allah gives you a further increase in knowledge and this is a meaning that is well known and established amongst the scholars of Islam that the benefit of knowledge is not just to gather information to accumulate knowledge to copy and paste to be able to narrate but the benefit of knowledge and its primary goal is to increase in taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so if you see someone who has a great deal of knowledge but you don't see upon them character, a fear of Allah, a piety of Allah جل, and integrity in terms of the way that they treat that knowledge, then know that they haven't benefited or they've benefited very little from that knowledge. Whereas if you see someone who doesn't have a great deal of knowledge, isn't known for narrating mass amounts or having, but you see upon them the signs of taqwa and Allah knows best concerning the inner state, but that's what you see upon them. Apparently they know that they have achieved what is one of the great blessings of taqwa of knowledge and that is taqwa it is said that the son of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, Abdullah ibn Ahmad who in his own right is a great scholar and one of the students of Imam Ahmad rahimahullah, one of the narrators of his Muslim he said I asked my father oh my father after you who do you recommend that I go to in terms of seeking knowledge and Imam Ahmad lives in an era and at a time and in a place Baghdad in which there are scholars in their hundreds if not their thousands in the Muslim world because of the period of time that he lived in rahimahullah Abdullah, his son, says that my father named a scholar that wasn't very well known, not very famous. People didn't really go and study with him, not known for his knowledge in that sense. So I said to him, oh my father, we have in the Muslim world so and so and so and so and all of these scholars and you've given me him. And he's not a person known for having many students or even narrating many hadith or giving out much knowledge. He said, my father said to me, Imam Ahmad said, rahimahullah, he said, but he has the goal of knowledge and that is taqwa. And that shows you an amazing understanding amongst those early scholars of Islam. That it is the taqwa of the scholar that you look for. And that's why the scholars that you go to and, and trust your religion with and entrust your affairs with in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those people that Allah azza wa has bestowed upon them. Taqwa may Allah azza wa make us all from amongst them. إن الذين يتلون كتاب الله وأقاموا الصلاة وأنفقوا مما رزقناهم سرا يرجون تجارة لن Those who recite the book of Allah and establish the prayer regularly and give of what we have provided for them secretly and openly, in other words, pay zakat and give other charity, hope for a transaction which will not prove profitless and come to nothing. That he may pay them their wages in full, their reward for those actions mentioned, and give them more from his unbounded favor. He is ever forgiving, ever thankful. He forgives their wrong actions on account of their obedience. What we have revealed to you of the book, meaning the Qur'an, is the truth. Confirming what, meaning books, came before it. Allah is aware of and sees his slaves, both their inward and outward. Then we made our chosen slaves inherit the book, meaning the Qur'an. This means the Muslims. But some of them wrong themselves by falling short in acting by it. Some are ambivalent and act by it most of the time. And some outdo each other in good by Allah's permission, meaning His will. Combining teaching and guidance to action with knowledge by the will of Allah. 
That's meaning inheritance of the book is a great favor. In verse 32, Allah Azza wa says, Then we made our chosen slaves inherit the book. And the correct position amongst the scholars of tafsir is that this verse refers to the Muslims. And some of the scholars of tafsir said, because the three categories that will be mentioned of those who wrong themselves, those who are in the middle path, and those who are, uh, who are foremost, some of the scholars said it refers to the non-Muslims and the hypocrites and the Muslims and so on. But the correct position is that all three categories refer to the believers, the Muslims. And then Allah Azza wa divides them into three. And he says from amongst them are those who wrong themselves, those who are in the middle path, the muqtasid, and those who are at the forefront. And the word muqtasid doesn't mean uh, ambivalent. It means that they do the minimum. And the scholars, and this is a good example of how the scholars of tafsir give tafsir by way of example. And what they say doesn't make it exclusive, but they're just speaking about different elements. Some of the scholars said, therefore, in the tafsir of this verse, that those who oppress themselves are those who don't pray the salah. They don't pray the salah. And those who are ambiv- or those who are muqtasid in the middle path are those who pray, but they may delay the prayer, pray late. And as for those who are sabiq at the forefront are those who give or who offer the prayer at its earliest time. Another scholar said, no, it refers to zakah. Those who wrong themselves are those who don't give zakah. And those who are muqtasid on the middle path are the ones who fulfill the obligation of zakah. And those who are sabiq are those who give zakah and they give sadaqah. And you can say the same about many other things, knowledge. Those people who are oppressive are those who don't have any knowledge, don't seek knowledge. And those who are muqtasid are those who have just the basic knowledge that they need in order to worship Allah. And those who are at the forefront are those who have knowledge that is extra that they acquire in order to come closer to Allah Azza wa Jalla. The point being that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions three groups of people. Those who sin and do wrong amongst the Muslims. Those who do the minimum amount that they fulfill the obligations that Allah has placed upon them. And then those who are at the forefront who not only do the obligations, but they increase and they do as many virtuous deeds and optional deeds as they can. And Allah knows best. They will enter, read as, يَدْخُلُونَهَا and يُدْخَلُونَهَا and abide in gardens of Eden where they will be adorned with gold bracelets and pearls and where their clothing will be of silk. وَقَالُوا الْحَمْدُ لِلَّهِ الَّذِي أَذْهَبَ عَنَّ الْحَزَنِ They will say, praise be to Allah who has removed all sadness from us. إِنَّ رَبَّنَا لَغَفُورٌ شَكُورٌ Truly, our Lord is ever forgiving of wrong actions, ever thankful for obedience. In verse 34, Allah Azza wa Jalla says concerning the believers when they enter paradise, Alhamdulillahi الَّذِي أَذْهَبَ عَنَّ الْحَزَنِ Please be to Allah who has removed all sadness from, from us. And usually in the Quran, when this word is used, it comes with a dhamma, huzn. But in this occasion, it comes with a fatha, hazan. And the scholars of Quran and tafsir differ as to whether there is a difference between the two forms. And many of them said, no, both of them refer to grief. Abu Hayyan, rahimahullah ta'ala, in his tafsir, he said, hazan refers to every type of grief and sadness. All types of grief and sadness. Meaning that when the people of Jannah enter into Jannah, it is not just some grief that is removed or some types of sadness. It is everything that they is removed from them. And others said that the word hazan is more, uh, it is more eloquent than the form huzan. And that is because when the people of Jannah come into, or rather the other way around, huzan is more uh, eloquent. And that is because in the world, in the dunya, when a person has grief and sadness, it is something which resonates strong upon them. But when the people of Jannah go into Jannah, their grief and their sadness that they will remember will be like a fleeting distant memory. 
So they will remember that they had hardship in the world, in the dunya, but it will become so distanced and removed from them that it will be something which is trivial in that regard, and Allah knows best. الذي أحلنا دار المقامة من فضله لا يمسنا فيها نصب ولا يمسنا فيها لوب. He who has lodged us out of his munificence in the abode of permanence where no weariness or fatigue affects us, since there is no responsibility. Both are mentioned despite their similarity to stress the absence of them. والذين كفروا لهم نار جهنم. But for those who disbelieve, they will be the fire of hell. لا يقضى عليهم فيموتوا ولا يخفف عنهم من عذابها. They will not be killed off so that they die, and its punishment will not be lightened for them, for even the blink of an eye. كذلك نجزي كل كفور. That is how we repay every thankless man, read as نجزي, and also يجزى. In which case the meaning becomes is repaid. In verse 36, there is a typo in the different قراءات. Najzi and Yujza, not Yuzja. So the J and Z need to be swapped. Yujza and Najzi. Allah Azza wa Jal in this verse, He says subhanahu wa ta'ala concerning the people of the fire, لا يقضى عليهم فيموتوا ولا يخفف عنهم من عذابها They will not be killed off so that they die and its punishment will never be lightened for them. And this is the madhab of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah and the position of the majority of the scholars. And that is that number one, the fire of hell doesn't stop, doesn't become destroyed, doesn't cease to exist, as is the position of some of the scholars as well, and some of the other sects that they say that the fire of hell will remain for a long time, and then eventually Allah will decree that it just simply ceases to exist, that it will just simply cease to exist. And others who said that the people of the fire will remain in the fire, but at some point in time, that punishment will be lessened upon them. And Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shaqiti, rahimahullah ta'ala, has a very long uh, and, and, and research on this in his tafsir that he goes to it into extreme detail and he brings about all of the different verses of the Quran and he brings them all together and he shows that therefore clearly in the verses of the Quran you have as Allah says explicitly in this verse number one that they will not die meaning that they will not be destroyed and from the verse the hadith that he brings that show that is the hadith of the death coming in the form of a ram and being sacrificed and the people of Jannah being told there is eternity for you, no death and the people of the fire being told there is eternity for you and no death and this verse also shows very clearly that there will be no lightening of their punishment as Allah mentions also in the Quran every time their skin melts off we will replenish their skin so that they will continue to taste that punishment meaning that it will never be lightened nor is there any stop, any end any limit to their punishment in the fire of hell. May Allah save us from that. وَهُمْ يَصْطَرِخُونَ فِيهَا رَبَّنَا أَخْرِجَنَا نَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمَلْ They will shout out for help in it. Our Lord, take us out of it. We will act rightly, different, differently from the way we used to act. They will be told, أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّذْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرَ وَجَاءَكُمُ did we not let you live long enough for anyone who is going to pay heed to pay heed? And did not the warner, meaning messenger, come to you and yet you fail to respond? Taste it then. There is no helper for the wrongdoers, meaning unbelievers. They will have no helper to avert the punishment from them. Allah knows the unseen of the heavens and earth. 
Allah knows what the heart contains and so it is more likely that he will know other things about people's situation. In verse 37, that's a verse that we mentioned before. Allah says, do we not give you sufficient time in the world to reflect, to remember, to pay heed for those who wish to do so. And a similar meaning is mentioned in the hadith of Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu in Sahih al-Bukhari in which he said the Prophet said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the one, who, to whom, the one to whom Allah has given 60 years upon this dunya has no excuse in the sight of Allah azawajal. meaning that if Allah has given you 60 years of life you have no excuse in front of Allah to say oh Allah you ha- I didn't have enough time I didn't have enough opportunity now it is he who made you khalifs on the earth meaning that they succeed one another so whoever disbelieves, his unbelief is against himself. In Allah's sight, the evil consequences of the unbelief of the unbelievers only increases their loathsomeness by incurring Allah's anger. The unbelief of the unbelievers only increase their loss in the next world. قُلْ أَرَأَيْتُمْ شُرَكَاءَكُمُ الَّذِينَ تَدْعُونَ مِنْ دُونِ اللَّهِ أَرُونِي مَاذَا خَلَقُوا مِنَ الْأَرْضِ أَمْ لَهُمْ شِرْكٌ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ أَمْ آتَيْنَاهُمْ أَمْ آتَيْنَاهُمْ كِتَابًا فَهُمْ عَلَى بَيِّنَةٍ Say, have you thought about your partner gods, those you call upon, and worship besides Allah, meaning the idols which you claim are the partners of Allah? Show, meaning inform me, what they have created of the earth. Or do they have a partnership with Allah in the heavens? Have you given them a book whose clear signs they follow, stating that they have partnership? No, indeed. The wrongdoers, meaning unbelievers, promise each other nothing but delusion, falsehood, when they say that the idols will intercede for them. Allah keeps a firm hold on the heavens and earth, preventing them from vanishing away. And if they vanished, no one could then keep hold of them except Him. Certainly, He is most forbearing, ever forgiving, and defers the punishment of the unbelievers. وَأَقَسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَإِنْ جَاءَهُمْ نَذِيرٌ لَيَكُونُنَّ أَهْدَى مِنْ إِحْدَى الْأُمَمْ They, meaning the unbelievers of Mecca, swore by Allah with their most earnest and strongest oaths that if a warner, meaning messenger, came to them, they would be better guided than any other community, than the Jews, the Christians, and others. This was when they saw that they denied one another, since the Jews said the Christians have no basis, and the Christians say the Jews have no basis. فَلَمَّا جَاءَهُمْ نَذِيرٌ مَّا زَادَهُمْ إِلَّا نُفُورًا But then when a warner, meaning Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did come to them, it only increased their aversion to guidance. إِسْتِكْبَارًا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَمَكْرَ السَّيِّئِ Shown by their arrogance regarding the faith in the land and evil plotting, meaning shirk and other things. وَلَا يَحِيقُ الْمَكْرُ السَّيِّئُ إِلَّا بِأَهْلِهِ the evil plotting envelops only those who do it. It encompasses the one who plots. Plotting was described as fundamentally evil. Do they expect anything but the pattern of previous peoples? The custom of Allah with them is to punish them for their denying their messengers. 
فلن تجد لسنة الله تبديلا. You will not find any changing in the pattern of Allah. ولن تجد لسنة الله تحويلا. You will not find any alteration in the pattern of Allah. There is no alteration with regard to his punishing others, nor with regard to letting it descend on other than those who merit it. أَوَلَمْ يَسِيرُوا فِي الْأَرْضِ فَيَنْظُرُوا كَيْفَ كَانَ عَاقِبَةُ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ Have they not travelled in the land and seen the final fate of those before them? Allah destroyed these people for their denial of their messengers. وَكَانُوا أَشَدَّ مِنْهُمْ قُوَّةِ They were far greater than them in strength. وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعْجِزَهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ Allah cannot be withstood in any way, either in the heavens or on earth, meaning He cannot be escaped. إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا He is all-knowing, all-powerful. وَلَوْ يُؤَاخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسَ بِمَا كَسَبُوا مَا تَرَكَ عَلَى ظَهْرِهَا مِنْ دَابَّةٍ وَلَكِنْ يُؤَخِرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجَلٍ مُسَمَّى if Allah were to take mankind to task for what, meaning acts of disobedience they have earned, He would not leave a single creature crawling on it, meaning the earth, but He is deferring them until a specified time, meaning the day of rising. Then, when their time comes, Allah sees His slaves and will repay them for their actions by rewarding the believers and punishing the unbelievers. Surah Yasin. This surah is Meccan except for Ayah 45, which is Medinan. It has 83 ayat and was sent down after Al-Jinn. So this is the 36th surah of the Quran and that is surah Yasin. And Yasin is from the, uh, from the surahs that are Mecca, as the author Ta'ala says, and Ibn Kathir and Al-Qurtubi and others said that that is the case of Ibn Atiyah and others. And some of them mention this exception, but that is not the position of the majority of the scholars of Tafsir. The majority of them say that the entire surah is a Makki surah. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Yasin. Allah knows best what is meant by that. In, in verse number one, Allah Azzawajal says Yasin, and as we mentioned before, that the author Muhammad Ta'ala says Allah knows best what is intended by that. And Yasin is from those letters of the Quran, like the other surahs that are similar to it Qaf and Noon and Alif Lamim and Hamim and Alif Lam Ra and others. And the position that some people have that it is a name from the names of the Prophet وسلم, is not a position that is that is backed up by any narration of the Sunnah. And the scholars differ therefore as to the uh, the validity or the uh, permissibility of using these as names for people. Yasin is a common name and Taha is a common name. And many of the scholars disliked it for the reason because Allah knows best what it refers to. And the position that others have that it is a name from the names of the Prophet or that it is some type of dhikr of remembering the Prophet is a weak position that there is no evidence for. By the wise Qur'an. The meaning of wise here is connected to the wondrous order of the Qur'an as well as its profound meanings. Truly you, Muhammad وسلم, are one of the messengers. On a straight path, the path of, the path of those before who had tawheed and guidance. It is stressed by the oath and other things to refute the unbeliever's statement to the Prophet وسلم, that he was not one of the messengers. The revelation of the Almighty in his kingdom, the most merciful to his creation. This refers to the Quran. 
لتنذر قوما ما أنذر آباؤهم فهم غافلون So that you may warn a people whose fathers were not warned during the gap between prophets and who are therefore unaware and have neglected faith and guidance. لَقَدْ حَقَّ الْقَوْلُ عَلَىٰ أَكْثَرِهِمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ The sentence that they would be punished has been justly carried out against most of them. So they do not believe. In verse number 6, Allah says, So that you may warn a people whose fathers were not born. Meaning that there were nations that would come or groups of people, generations that come in between two prophets. So that no message comes to them. They don't come at the time before and they don't come at the time after. They are known as the people of the fatra. The people of the fatra, meaning a gap the people of a gap between the prophets. And the position of the scholars is that these are the people that Allah Azza will judge himself on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. He will test them in his own way, subhanahu wa ta'ala, on the day of judgment. And the believers from amongst them who pass that test will go into Jannah and those who fail that test will go into the fire. And Allah knows best. We have put iron colors around their necks, reaching up to the chin, so that their heads are forced back. Their hands are chained to their necks and pulled up to their necks, so their heads are forced back, so that they cannot lower them. This is a metaphor. What is meant is that they do not submit to Islam, and so their heads will be forced back. And even Kathir Ta'ala says in verse number 8 that the metaphor means that they are forced back from every good. No good will come to them, that they are forced back from every good. وَجَعَلْنَا مِنْ بَيْنِ أَيْدِيهِمْ سَدًّا وَمِنْ خَلْفِهِمْ سَدًّا فَأَغْشَيْنَاهُمْ فَهُمْ لَا يُبْصِرُونَ We have placed a barrier, read as, سَدًّا and سُدًّا in front of them, and a barrier behind them, blindfolding them, so that they cannot see. This is another metaphor for how the path of faith is brought to them. وَسَوَاءٌ عَلَيْهِمْ أَأَنذَرْتَهُمْ أَمْ لَمْ تُنذِرُهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ it makes no difference to them whether you warn them or do not warn them. They will not believe. You can only warn those who act on the reminder, meaning the Quran, and benefit from your warning and fear the All-Merciful in the unseen. Give them the good news of forgiveness and a generous reward, meaning the garden. In verse number 11, Allah says, You only warn those who act on the reminder. And elsewhere in the Quran, Allah says that you remind everyone. You are sent as a reminder for all of mankind. Here Allah is saying that you only remind those who accept the reminder. And as Al-Mahalli says, the meaning of this verse is that only those who benefit from the reminder, that's what's being referred to. That you want those who benefit. So the Prophet is sent as a warner to everyone, but it is clearly only the people who take that reminder and benefit from it that actually take from the fruits of the reminder that was bought and the rewards of the reminder that was bought by the Prophet. <laughs> We bring the dead to life at the resurrection and we record in the preserved tablet what they send ahead, meaning the good and evil they do in this world in order to repay them, and what they leave behind, the customs and traditions they institute which remain behind when they die. We have listed and explained everything, precisely in a clear register, a reference to the preserved tablet. In verse number 12, Allah says, and we write and record what they send ahead and what they leave behind. Qaddamu means what they put forward, what is in front of them. Atharahum, what is behind them. One tafsir is, as the author says, that refers generally to good deeds and bad deeds. 
And another position is that it refers to the footsteps that you take in order to do good and the footsteps that you take in order to return from good. So it's not just good deeds that you put forth or good deeds that you leave. It is the process of going towards them, the footsteps that you make. So for example, someone walking to the masjid, walking back from the masjid, that is what is being referred to, the footsteps. Right? And athar in Arabic is often referred to as footsteps. And what supports this is the hadith in al-Bukhari of Jabir radiallahu anhu concerning his tribe Banu Salima. That they came to the Prophet ﷺ because Banu Salima was a tribe of the Ansar that lived far from the Prophet's masjid. So they came to the Prophet ﷺ and they said, O oh, Messenger of Allah, we want to move houses and come closer to your masjid. The Prophet ﷺ said to them in return, Diyarukum tuktabu atharukum. Diyarukum tuktabu atharukum. As is in the narration of Sahih Muslim. Stay at home, keep your homes, your footsteps are recorded. And that is where they take that tafsir from, that Allah is referring to their footsteps and it said that this verse was revealed concerning them. Stay at home, keep your homes, your footsteps to and back from the masjid will be recorded. And Ibn Qayyim Ta'ala says, because that verse then, if we take it on the tribe of Banu Salima, is a verse then that is Medinan, not Makkan. It's a Medinan verse and, and therefore we just said that the whole surah is Makkan to Hakan be a Medinan verse. Ibn Qayyim said, it is possible that this verse was revealed twice. One in its general meaning, and then in the Medinan period later on, again, to refer specifically to those people who walk to and back from good deeds. And Allah knows best. Make an example for them of the inhabitants of the city meaning Antioch, when the messengers from Isa came to it. In verse number 13, Allah Azza wa now mentioned a story about these people and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best who the messengers are and who the people are. They are not mentioned in any authentic narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Allah Azza wa doesn't mention them by name that this is an example of Prophets of Allah being mentioned in the Quran that aren't mentioned by name or not referred to by name. But the majority or many of the scholars of tafsir are of the opinion that the city is Antioch, Antaqiyya, Antaqiyya. That is the position of many of the scholars. However, Ibn Kathir rahimahullah dismissed this and said that it seems to be a far-fetched opinion. But either way, Allah doesn't mention the city nor the names of the messengers or the tribe or the nation that these people came from. But it is the story or the lessons that Allah is referring to. إِذْ أَرْسَلْنَا when we sent them two and they denied them both, so we reinforced, read as Azazna and Azazna, then with a third. They said, Truly, we have been sent to you as messengers. They said, You are nothing but human beings like ourselves. The All-Merciful has not sent down anything. You are simply lying. They said, Our Lord knows we have been sent as messengers to you. This is like an oath and stresses what they say because of the denial they were facing. We are only responsible for clear transmission. This was done on the basis of clear evidence such as healing the blind, the lepers and the sick and bringing the dead to life. 
They said, we see an evil omen in you. We think that you are bad luck for us since rain has been withheld from us because of you. If you do not stop, we will stone you and you will suffer a painful punishment at our hands. They said, your evil omen is in yourselves on account of your unbelief. Is it not just that you have been reminded? This question implies rebuke. No, you are an unbridled people. You have exceeded the limits through your attribution of partners to Allah. In verse number 13, sorry, I made an error, a mistake on my part. And that is that these messengers that are being referred to are not prophets from Allah. They are not prophets of Allah, but rather they are messengers that is said that came from Isa alayhi salam. So messengers here in the sense that they conveyed the message, not messengers as in they receive revelation and prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this story is according to the majority of the scholars of tafsir that Isa alayhi salam sent these people to different places to call people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is an error on my part that it's not referring to prophets of Allah but rather messengers in the normal sense of the word a messenger that is an envoy that goes and takes a message from one person to another. And Allah knows best. وَجَاءَ مِنْ أَقْصَى الْمَدِينَةِ رَجُلٌ يَسْعَى قَالَ يَا قَوْمِ اتَّبِعُوا الْمُرْسَلِينَ A man, this was someone called Habib al-Najjar, who believed in the messengers and lived in the furthest part of the city, came running from the far side of the city when he heard that the people had denied the messengers, saying, My people, follow the messengers. And in verse 20, the name of this man is not mentioned in an authentic hadith, but these are Asra'iliyat and Israelite traditions. Follow. The word follow is repeated for emphasis. Those who do not ask you for any wage for conveying the message and who have received guidance. They said to him, You follow their religion. He replied, Why indeed should I not worship him who brought me into being? Meaning that there is nothing to keep him or them from worshipping Allah. Him to whom you will be returned after death and he who will repay you for your unbelief. Am I to take his gods, meaning idols, instead of him? Those whose intercession, if the All-Merciful desires harm for me, will not help me at all and cannot save me. This is a question which demands a negative response. That for which they claim divinity will not be able to help anyone against Allah. In that case, meaning, if I were to worship other than Allah, I would clearly be misguided. I believe in your Lord, so listen to me. But they stoned him to death. He was told when he died, enter the garden. It is said that he entered it when he was still alive. He said, if my people only knew. How my Lord has forgiven me and placed me among the honored ones. We did not send down to his people, meaning the people of Habib, any host from heaven, meaning angels to destroy them after him, after his death, nor would we send one down. 
إن كانت إلا صيحة واحدة فإذا هم خامدون. It was but one great blast and they were extinct. They were extinct. Their punishment was one shout from Jibreel and they were dead. يا حسرة على العباد. Alas, my slaves, those and their like who denied the messenger sent to them and were destroyed. This is a vocal expression indicating very great pain. It is metaphorical with the meaning, this is your time, so attend. ما يأتيهم من رسول إلا كانوا به يستهزئون. No messenger comes to them without their mocking him, and this mockery is what leads to their destruction. ألم يروا كم أهلكنا قبلهم من القرون أنهم إليهم لا يرجعون. Do they, meaning the people of Mecca, who say to the Prophet, "You are not a messenger," صلى الله عليه وسلم, not see how many generations, meaning past nations before them, we have destroyed, and that they will not return to them. So will they not reflect on what happened to them? وَإِن كُلُّ لَمَّا جَمِيعُ الَّذِينَ مُحْضَرُونَ Each and every one read as إِنَّ كُلُّ لَمَّا أَنْ إِنَّ كُلَّ لَمَّا إِنْ كُلُّ لَمَّا أَنْ لَمَّا إِنْ كُلُّ لَمَّا أَنْ إِنْ كُلُّ لَمَّا Each and every one will be summoned to our presence in the place of standing after they are resurrected and are summoned for the reckoning. أحسن تبارك الله فيك And so inshallah ta'ala that is where we will stop today. At the end of verse 32 of Surah Yasin. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wa akhiru da'wana an alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.